theyeshiva.net. To everybody, welcome to everybody who's here with us, virtually and live. There's a word that they say from the Balatanya, from the Chpal HaGeula, the Alter Rebbe, Reb of Liadi. He said, Misha Yismach, I'll say it in Lashen Kodesh, he said it in Yiddish, there was with Zechfreyen in my Simcha, Misha Yismach b'Simchasi, Oitzienu min HaMeitzer el HaMercha. Whoever participates in my Simcha, I will emancipate him, take him out from the stress into a place of Harchava, into a place of expansiveness. He also said about Yutas Kislev, and I'll quote, Zehayoim Yukva Lemoyit Tmidi Bi Yisrael, Asherboy Yisgadal, Viyiskadash, Shmei Rabba, Viyisayru Alfei Levavis Yisrael, Bitshuva Vavoydisha Belev. This day is going to be established as a permanent Yomtif by Eden, by Klal Yisrael. A day in which the name of Hashem will be exalted and thousands of Jewish hearts will be aroused to inner Avedis Hashem with their heart. Because the story is engraved in the heart of Yisrael above and it's written in the heart of Yisrael below. That's what they say from the Balatanya. What's the meaning of this? The meaning of this is, some of you know this story, some of you don't, but to capture it in 30 seconds or 40 seconds, the Baal Shem Tev passed away, Shvuas Tov Kuf 1760. He was the founder of Chsidus. He was succeeded by his main student, the Rebbe Reber, the Magid of Mizrich, Rabbeinu Doiv Ber. He led for 13 years. He passed away, Yat Kislev, Tovkov Lamad Gimel. Yutas Kislev, Tovkov Lamad Gimel. That's 1772. When the Magid passed away, his Talmidim branched off into different locations and regions. You had people like the Chais of Lublin, the Melech of Lezhensk, the Blavitsa of Barditchev, the Bzusi of Anapoli, the Koshnitsa Magid. Reb Mendel Levitepsky, Reb Mendel Haradokir, Vaoid Vaoid. The youngest was the Balatanya, Reb Shnei Zalman, who wrote the Tanya the Shulchan Aruch Harav. He settled in Belarus, in Luthu- near Lithuania, a place called Lyazhna, where he lived. Those years began a very strong opposition to the Balshemtiv and the Magad and the teachings of Chassidus, because there was a suspicion by some, especially in Vilna that this is a danger for the Jewish people. And after all the churbanus, all the destruction of the previous century, the fabric of Yiddishkeit was so weak 
and the spirit was so demoralized and the persecution was so bad that any, any new movement, it was, this is dangerous. So there was tremendous, tremendous opposition that was very profound with bands and chromim and so forth. As a result of this opposition, there was a, a terrible Masira where they informed to the Tsarist government on the Balatanya and he was thrown into prison. It was a very serious accusation of treason. He didn't see it as an opposition on earth. He saw it as an opposition in heaven. The Gemara says, If something happens here, it's because something is happening on a deeper, on a deeper level. That there was a Kitrug in heaven. In Shemayim, there was a Kitrug. There was opposition to the revelation of Teres HaBosham. Yutas Kislev, he was liberated after a serious trial and investigation. At some point, he even thought he may be executed, Khalilah, by the Tsarist government. It's a very long story, the Parsha of his arrest in Gola. It's a long, very fascinating piece of history. But Yutas Kislev, the Tuesday, Yutas Kislev, Tovkov Nuntes, 1798, the yard site of his Rebbe, the Magid, he went out, he went out, he went out for prison. And what he saw in this wasn't that he went out from prison, Baruch Hashem, he can go home. He saw that in heaven, the Kitrug was off. The permission was given that the Torah of the Baal Shem Tev could be spread to the whole world even more powerful than before. He was exonerated physically, but also spiritually. And that's when Yuteskislav was created as a Yom Tev, a Yom Tev that celebrates the Gilui of Chsidis in the world, the revelation of Chsidis in the world of Teresa Balshemtiv, which over the last 200 years infused Yiddishkeit and the Jewish people from all streams of life, Ada with a new Chius, a new depth, a new vitality, a new electricity, a simcha, a sophistication, a deep understanding what Torah, Mitzvah, Yiddishkeit is, Avas Hashem, Avas Avas Yisrael. So that's why the Alter Rebbe, the Balagula said that this day is going to be a moyet midi bi Yisrael, that Yisgadol vi Yisgadosh that Jews, thousands and thousands of Jews, today already millions, will be aroused to a deeper relationship with Hashem, with themselves, with their neshama, with each other, and therefore a day in which there's a whole powerful energy from Hashem, a tremendous day of Yisraelus and Chizuk, to be able to create this Yisgadol, Yisgadol, Shmei Rabbah. And he was maftiach, that those who are Sameach in the Simcha of Yutas Kislev, he will take them out, and it's fascinating that every year, Yutas Kislev, the celebration of Yutas Kislev, MS becomes stronger and stronger. I was last year in Eretz Yisrael. Around 90,000 Jews came. They had a week celebrating Yutas Kislev, Shiyudim and Fabrengans and this. In Yerushalayim, almost 90,000 Jews came to Yisrael. That's a, anywhere it's a big amount. And Yisrael as well. And, uh, Mishana Lashana, the celebration of Yitzchak, the Yisraelis of Yitzchak, becomes more powerful. Today it's already Ma'achet, all of Klal Yisrael. Why, what is it? Because it's a day in which the Neshama of Torah, the Pnimius of Torah, Brought out through the Balshemte of the Magad and his Talmidim and Talmidim there's a revelation, an explosion of this Pnimius, Pnimius of Torah, which connects to the Pnimius of the Neshama, 
which connects to the Pneumius of Hashem and the Pneumius of the world, and bringing it all together to bring out the most beautiful and powerful qualities of Torah, of Yiddishkeit, and of the Jewish people. So I want to begin with the Zovart that the Rebbe Rayat, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe once said, he said it, I think, in 1928 or 29, but it was a big chassid of the Balatanya, his name was Rebbe Meir Falls. And he said, I wanted to get the quotes, I wrote it down. He said that the, it's not so known, even in Chabad, it's in the Balatanya said, I, I, I affected, I created through my tefillah that in heaven, Tzkislov should be like Yim Kippur, that whatever a Jew asks for should be embraced by the Rebbeinu Shalalu. So I want to bless everybody. We're here celebrating in the Simcha of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, Tzchusa Yagen Aleinu, and the Hilula of the Magid, the Rebbe Reber, Tzchusa Yagen Aleinu, that he was Maftiach, that whoever is Sameach B'Simchasa, he'll take him out, Min HaMeitzir El HaMerchav. Another Nusach, he said, he'll take him out, Min HaGeshem El HaRuach, and another Nusach, Min HaGehenem. So the Rebbe Rashab said, Azoi, Min HaGehenem means he's going to take you out from Olam HaAsiyah. Min HaGeshem El HaRuach is from Yitzhidah Tzubriyah. Min HaMeitzah El HaMerchev is from Bri Yitzhah Tzilus. So everybody who's Sameach in the Simcha of the Balatanya. So this is a day that he says, I'll take you out, Min HaMeitzah El HaMerchev. A day that has Kachis like Achaz Bashana. So I want to bless everybody that everything you ask for and everything you need in your personal life and your collective life, you should ask, you should say, connect to the neshama of the Magid and the Balatanya, which were neshama's klali is connected to all klali Yisrael. And ask for whatever you need, for you want, for yourself, for your children, for your loved ones, for all your brothers and sisters, for your spouse, for your close people, for all of our brothers and sisters, everybody, that everybody, Hashem should fulfill, that I want to ask, we have the COVID to have my dear senior colleague, Rav Agon, Rav Daniel Korenschlitter, Mother Da'asra, and a very special colleague and special friend, and really a Ruach HaChayim here, Bismedrish HaChayim. He's Mechabed here, he's in his presence, he's Mechabed us with his presence. So I want to ask Rav Daniel Schlitter, Say a few words of Chizuk. Huh? The Rosh HaKoyal, Rabbi Yitzhak emphasizes, I should just emphasize, he said if, if Chizidus would have become illegal, the Tsar wanted to prohibit it. So it's not just to do with Chabad. The whole Chizidus would have been obliterated because everybody was under the Tsar. There was no monkey business. It wasn't a Trump and Biden, Malava Malka, you know, a president ahead, a president ahead. There was one czar, Malchusay Bakal Mashallah, Kivayachal. They say that after the elections, one of the clips went from the, from North Korea. We haste to Kim Jong Man. He wrote a message. He says, this is what happens when you have more than one candidate. In Russia, there was one candidate. There were no two candidates. 
So if the czar would have prohibited it, it would have been uh, it would have been over. So the, it wasn't just a spiritual thing; it was very practical that he could continue teaching, and all of them could continue teaching. Haraf Korn. Gavach, really, it's to be sitting, especially in Olam Atzilus. So I want to thank Rabbi Jacobson for inviting me. Truly, we are, Baruch Hashem, on the same team. We share a lot of uh, teammates. <laughs> and um, I want to share really just one quick machshava. It connects to a riddle that I asked Friday night. I asked the following riddle. I said, how is it possible Friday night, this past Friday night, that there'll be a Yid in Mansi that's mechuyev to say v'senta lomata livracha. And I think I stumped everyone. And those that don't get my clip daily don't know the answer. Hashem Cheskin knows the answer. You know, you know the answer. So I said it's very simple. If someone is davening Friday night, and you know sometimes it's very embarrassing if you ever see someone davening Friday night, and they're a little bit not focusing, like happens quite often these days, and they start banging on their chest. Friday night, slach lanu. You know sometimes the guy goes like this, and he. Like tucks his hand underneath, like as just to make sure you didn't see that he was back, he was holding my slach lanu. But it happens; it happens to me too. Sometimes I'm reaching for my cell phone Friday night. I'm trying to, you know, the the, the noise of the uh, of another text, another WhatsApp. But the halacha is a fascinating halacha. If you start Friday night, you to finish the bracha. Because really we're supposed to daven a full Shmanesa. So any Yid that started Baruch Aleinu, he made it all the way to Baruch Aleinu Friday night, he was mechuyet to say Vicente Alamata this year because really December 4th was Friday night. Now I'm suspicious that this happened because it was raining the, raining the whole night Friday night. I was trying to figure out why was it raining the whole night. Must be there was some Yidin that was talking of saying Vicente Alamata already early. Troublemakers. But I want to tell you the machshava that I had, the Israelis of why this is the most incredible, especially this night, and I think it's so appropriate that it's in the shul, for Poisim Bichvad It's called Orachaim, Bismillah Orachaim, but as many people know, it's called Shiners. <laughs> it's much more Shiners. I even said in Aksuba, you probably would have to write Shiners, Hamechune Orachaim. But it's Shiners. And I, I even call it Ohale Shiners. And what's so beautiful about this Ohalim, these tents, is that you have Taka, many different types of Suge, types of Yidin. And Baruch Hashem, the one thing about this place is the Ichud. Is we could sit together, it doesn't matter what hat, what yarmulke, whatever it is, Baruch Hashem, I'm just a, a whole mixture anyway, so I'm no, no Raya. But Baruch Hashem, I have such a schus to be with Rabbi Jacobson, with my Rabbi Yitzchak, Cheski with everyone, the whole Oilam. And tonight, it's interesting, we're starting to ask for rain, meaning tonight is officially. <laughs> I already announced and I already had the first, uh, already the first Shaila. Rabbi, I didn't say Vicente Alamater. What's the Alacha? Now there's a minion, by the way, getting together. For those that forgot to say Vicente Alamater. <laughs> um, but at any rate, halachically, you're supposed to say Vicente Alamater tonight. And I was thinking, 
It's a big machlekes, but this year it's actually more complicated. Usually, if it's actually the, the night of the, of the uh, tkufa, you have what to rely on that the tkufa wasn't chal yet. But this year it's already chal, because really it's December 4th. So you don't have such a kula. So, you know, I'm going to get up in a few minutes to pretend that I'm going to daven in the minion, like the Gemara says with Shmuel HaKotan, just so if anyone else wants to daven with me, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you could daven later. Okay, I just want to say this following machshava. The machshava is that when we get to the Saint Alamato, we're asking collectively for rain. And really what we're doing is we're asking for Palnasa. And we started, Baruch Hashem was last week, it's last week, where we had the most beautiful get-together. We were discussing the, the davening. We have a committed more than 200 in our shul that have committed not to speak from beginning of davening until the end of davening for 40 days. And they, uh, they joined the raffle, which is going to take place in Zeus Hanukkah for $6,000. So I want to tell you, it's not the $6,000 that's got everyone. Because Be'etzim Be'pnimius, everyone wants to daven. And as I said, Hasidus is the, is the place that teaches how important and what the experience of davening is. But I want to suggest tonight something else. Tonight is Yudket Iskav. It's a time of Yichud. It's a time where really we're getting together. And when you're going to start saying Baruch Aleinu, one secret. If you're going to use a sitter, most likely you're not going to forget Vesen Talamata. That's number one. But number two, how many Yidin are hurting now for Panasa? So when you daven Vesen Talamata and you have a lot of Kavana, you know, there's a few places in Shmanesa people have Kavana. <laughs> you wake up by Vesen Bracha, Shmakulen, you wake up again. There's a few places that people wake up. It's not just by the way you. So it's not, it's not uncommon. But the idea is, yeah, both. Love it. You really like what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, so I want to just make a small bakasha. Ask for someone else. Have someone else in mind. As they say, Yenus Gashmas is your Ruchnius. The Gemara says, I'm Ispal about Chaver Utsach Leisadov and Una and But do it because we're all Yidin and we all need Parnasa. And we're going to daven for each other. And Bischuse, the, the davening for each other, it's going to be Machadus even more. And we're So I want to thank everyone, and especially Robert Jacob said, for really making this. We need this. We need this because we need to get together. It's been a, a tremendous period throughout this Kufa of Corona. And really, we need this because we need the Geula, Pratis and Clolius. Thank you so much. Good vach. I wasn't serious about the minute, but I'm going to get up now, and if there's nine other people besides me, I'll be mitzarev. <laughs> By the way, it's beautiful to be made there that it's okay to forget to say you sent Alamater. This goes in. Huh? How do you do this? You have to know what you know how to do. The Balshemtiv, in the early years, he was not known. And people didn't know who he was. He was a very, very hidden person. Even his own brother-in-law, the Gershon Kitiver, wanted his sister should divorce him because he seemed like a peasant. She was a smart woman, so she uh, <laughs> she didn't. Lepoil, the Gershon turned around. The Balatanya's father-in-law also wanted his daughter should uh, divorce him. Also a smart woman. Woman, women usually get it a little before the the men especially the fundamentals. So in any case, so it was once the Baal Shem Tev, 
he was, I think, in, in Broad, city Broad. So there was all these questions about him, you know, does he know anything? So one of the Choshev Rabbonim there called him in and decided he's going to test him to see if he knows the basics. So he didn't want to embarrass him. So he'll ask him a, a, a simple question. He said, if you forget Yalav Yavai, Rishchodesh at night. My river, Rishchodesh, do you have to say it over? Do you have to say it again? Not by day, by night. He wanted to see if the Baal Shem Tov it's the basic Mishnah Bruder of It's before Mishnah Bruder, but, So, the halach is that by night you don't have to say over. And the reason is because Kiddush HaChaydish was not at night. Only by day. They couldn't even Kiddush HaChaydish at night. So, by day you have to. Yalav Yalav is important. By night you also have to say it, but if not. So, the Balsham tells him, the question is not Negeya Lepoyal. It's not Negeya. He says, why not? So, he said in Yiddish, Ichol nicht vergessen der erste Mal. Und ihr wird vergessen im zweiten Mal euch. He said, I won't forget the first time. <laughs> and you'll forget the second time also. <laughs> I won't forget the first time, you'll forget the second time too. There's a letter from the Balatanya to the Baruchel of Mezhebush, the Rebbe the Baruchel, the Yitzchak of Baditschev. After he came out of prison, he wrote a letter to two of to two of his chaverim, the Blavitzik Baditchev, and the Baruchel of Mezhebush. The letters are printed, and he told them what happened. In the letter, he describes to them that he was sitting in a cell. Rabbi Korn went to visit the place where he sat. You remember on the island, it's like Alcatraz. They put him on an island so you can't run away. Over there, they put the greatest criminals in Petersburg. I also went there. Is that given? You remember? Quite a place, huh? So he wrote he was in a cell, and he was saying to Hillam, and he was saying, Kapitel Nun Hei. This is what he writes to Baditreva. Why was he saying Kapitel Nun Hei? Because there's the Tehillim, the way it's divided for the month. There's the Tehillim, the way it's divided for the week. There's people who say Tehillim throughout the week, so Tuesday includes Kapitel Nun Hei. Yutas Kislev, that year, Tafkuf Nun Tes was on a Tuesday. So he was saying Kapitel Nun Hei. In Kapitel Nun Hei, you have a postic, Poder B'Sholem Nafshi, Mikrovli, Kibirabim Hoyu Imadi. He says, La'achere Shamarti, Hapostic, Poder B'Sholem Nafshi, Mikrovli, Kibirabim Hoyu Imadi. After I said the verse, Hashem, David Amalek says, Hashem redeemed my soul in peace from those who battled against me. And Birabim, the multitudes were together with me. The Yerushalmi says on this postic, Anshay Afsholem, his palalul in its choyner shall David. Even those who supported Afshalem, who was the greatest rebel against David, deep down, deep down, they had to support Afshalem based on Shaduchim, seminaries, Mishpucha, you know what it is, you gotta, you gotta be mainstream. But deep down, they have that David is David Melech Yisra. So that's the Yerushalmi says, Kibirabim Hoyu Imadi, David felt that even Anshe Afshalem, this is the official, the, the protocol, but deep down they knew that David is the man. So he said, when I said this posik, Koidim Shalti Posak Shalakharov, before I began the next Posak, Yushmakel, Yatsasi Bashalim, Me Hashem Shalom. I went out in peace from Hashem Shalom. So what he writes to them. Right after he said the Posak Padr Bashalom, they came in and they said, you know, Barakh Kenzagan Barakh Shabatrani, you're freed. 
So they made then the nigin, a beautiful nigin, on the posik, on the psuk in Pada B'Shalom Nafshi, until the end of the capital, and always by the Fabrengans of Yutas Kislev, they sing this nigin Pada B'Shalom, which is a very, uh, it's a very emotional nigin, both the words and also the, the melody itself. So I'll ask, uh, Rabchani Zucker to, uh, sing Pada If you know, if you know the words good, if not, you can open a capital nun hey. And uh, you could follow the words inside. Zog. She me Damim, damim, o 
It says in Zohar, <coughs> in Parshas Baloischa, that there's three aspects, there's three dimensions to reality. There's Kuchabrichu or Raisa Yisrael. Hashem, Torah, and Yisrael, the Jewish people. Bekulu, Sosim, Vigalia. And each one of them, there's the Galia, the Nigla, the revealed tangible part, and there's the Sosim. Sosim means the inner core, the inner, more concealed dimension. The Galia of Yisrael connects with the Galia of Torah and the Galia of Kuchabrichu. 
The Sosim of Yisrael connects with Sosim the Ereisa and Sosim the Kutsha The revealed aspect of the Jew connects with the revealed aspect of Torah and the revealed aspect of Hashem, Kevayach. The Sosim, the inner, the inner core of the Jew connects with the inner core of Torah, what he calls Nishmasa Ereisa, the soul of Torah, versus Gufa Ereisa, the body of Torah, so to speak, Zaysa Torah Adam. And the Sosim, the Kutsha the Pnimiyas of Hashem. And what the Zayr is basically expressing is, a Guf and a Nesham are one, they're not separate. But it's two aspects of life. You look at a person, there's what I could see and what I could touch, and what's tangible, that's the body. The Neshama, it's there, it's everything. But you have to have the tools to be able to learn about it. You could look at a person, you don't see the Neshama. It's not... It's not easily maintained, uh, it's not grasped with the five senses. You can't even define its essence. It's the intangible part of the person. And sometimes one doesn't have access to it. Same is true in Torah. You have the goof of Torah, is the concrete, the tangible part of Torah. A halacha, a vart. And then you have the neshama of Torah, the inner consciousness of Torah. And just like the soul brings everything together, the neshama of Torah brings everything together. And the same is in Hashem. There's Hashem, the Galia, the Kuchabricho. That's which is manifested. You see a world. And the world with such a design has a meaning, has a purpose, has a creator. And then there's the Sosim, the Kuchabricho, the Pnimius of Elikus, that is even beyond that which is expressed in the creation of the world. Yutas Kislev, is the day that Chesidus is celebrated, the yard site of the Magid, the Chagul of the Balatanya. What is it? What is this Teres HaBal What was the Baal Shem Tev trying to teach? Shem was trying to bring out the Pnimius of all three. The Sosim, the Yisrael, the Pnimius of a Jew, the inner core of a Jew, the Sosim, the Yisraelisa, the core of Teres, and the Sosim, the Kutsha and the core of godliness. And therefore also the core of the world, the Pnimius of the world. And in all the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov or his students, one senses always the Pnimius, the underlying, the soul, the energy, the passion, the divinity, the holiness beneath the surface. You could look at things from the surface, and you could look at things beneath the surface. A classic example, just as an example, to illustrate this, any aspect, any mitzvah, any story in Torah, any shtikl gemara, anything you're dealing with in a Jew or in Torah or in Hashem or in the world, you could look at it from the Galia and you could look at it from Sos. Now really the two are one, it's not separate. You don't separate a soul from a body. It's not the way to live. But from a person's perspective, you could look at the see the Galia, not see in it the Sosim, unless you have the proper lenses. <clears throat> Why was it so important? Because as the challenges of Golas go on, without the Sosim, without the Pnimius, it's very easy to lose the, your touch. It's very easy to get numb, to lose your life, your vitality, to stop feeling the love that vibrates in Yiddishkeit and in the world. So therefore, Rabbi Nishalalim sent down the Nisham of the Baal Shem Tev, as Talmidim, 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 Adayayim The Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, had a Talmud and a Chaver. His name was Rabbi Mad Vali, Rabbi Moshe David Vali. He writes, I saw one of his forum, 
The Navi says that there's going to be a day, either you know it from the Navi, you know it from the song. People won't be hungry for bread or thirsty for water. They'll want to hear the word of God. They won't be thirsty for water, Baruch Hashem. They won't be hungry for bread, but they'll want to hear Dvar Hashem. Ramad Vali, was a Talmud of the Ramchal, writes, he says, the Pshat and the prophecy is a little deeper. Lechem, bread, refers to Torah. Pasuk says, Lechu, Lachmu, Belachmi. Bread refers to Torah. Mayim, the Gemara says in Babakam, everybody knows, Ein Mayim, Ela Torah. Mayim, water is Torah. So the prophet says, Hine yomim boyim, Num Hashem. There will be days that will come. Leirov lechem. Nobody will be hungry for bread as in Torah. Nobody will be thirsty for water as in Torah. Torah will be abundant. There won't be a thirst for water or a hunger for bread because it will be available. Wherever you turn, wherever you go, there will be, Baruch Hashem, an abundance of bread and water. So what will be the thirst? It says, What they're going to be looking for is, to the head in the Lakus in Torah, the Dvar Hashem in Torah. There will be classes ad infinitum. And what, what was what was the Navi talking about if not Tavshin Pe'alef? Any subject you want to learn, you could learn. And you don't have to go anywhere. As Corona has proven, you go to Zoom and you have a Yichud Zoom. And else is good. And Kabbalah is the Yichud Zoom, but we have Yichud Zoom. Huh? Nishgut. You want the real Yechud. Okay, so you're here. But not everybody is here. So there's also Yechud Zoom. Baruch Hashem. But for nine months we were on Zoom. So don't be at Mavatl. A lot of things happened. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to interrupt you for like seven, eight months. I'm a chayah. Atazoy. Gewaldek, gewaldek. Das ist gut, das ist gut. Das ist gut. I was once in Texas, in Houston for a Shabbos, quite a few years ago. So the rabbi there in Houston, his name is Rabbi Shimon Lazarov. It's a big shul there. So he tells a story. He says that in his early years in Houston, Texas, there was a Yid who would come to every shear of his, every class and every Shabbos, he would sit down. When he would open his mouth, this Jew would fall asleep. But it was like, you, you, you know, you can go to the bank with it. You can, you can invest in that stock. The rabbi opened his mouth. He said, I opened the ma- my mouth, and he was sleeping. It was no exceptions. Monday, Thursday, Shabbos, before Yom Kippur, after Yom Kippur, no difference. He said once he was invited to speak somewhere in Matsoy Shabbos. There was a lecture, and there was a big snow that night. But he didn't want to, he thought it's a shear, and he was invited. He has to go. Whoever shows up, shows up. He comes, and this Jew is the only one who showed up. He starts the shear, and he falls asleep. Turns out he traveled close to two hours with the snow. It took him two hours to get there. So afterwards, he decided he'll have a one-on-one, you know, confession. He says, two hours in the snow. Why did you come? Why? Tell me what. 
says, Rabbi, I will never miss an opportunity to fall asleep <laughs> at your classes. I will not. I will not give up that opportunity. Not to compare Chasvashal. This is better. So, you have a matzav. Whatever you want to learn. Whatever you want to learn. Tanach, Medrash, Kabbalah, Kira, Musr, Chsidis, Machshava, Hashkafa, Nigla, Nister. Between an MP3 and CDs and internet, you have Everything. You want to learn Daf Yoimid Bavli, Mit Yerushalmi, Alochi Yoimis, Mit Mishnah Yoimis. What do you want? It's a Gewaltic thing. Don't take it for granted. You have Gemaras translated into every conceivable language in the world. Everybody could learn. So he says, What people are looking is to be able to feel the presence of Hashem. The Dvar Hashem. To be able to feel where is Hashem in the blood Gemara? Where is Hashem in the Amin Yehoshmirab? Where is Hashem in the davening? Where is Hashem in the mitzvah? Where is Hashem in the house? Where is Hashem in the shul? They want to feel the energy. They want to feel godliness. And sometimes the more knowledge, the more cynicism. The more knowledge, the more you know. Okay. Another word. Another word. You know, sometimes you sit at a, at a bar mitzvah, a wedding, a sheva brachas, a shalom zacher, a bris, a pedin, a ben. This one says a vart, and I have a vart, you have a vart. It's like a competition of vertlach. The only thing that's missing is, where is God? Shmoya is dvar Hashem. Who is the Eibishter? The neshama, where is the soul? It's like, you know, good vertlach. So there, he said, there's going to be a time, they'll have all the bread and the water, but the dvar Hashem. The lakus, the tamuruki toiv Hashem, the core of it all, the core of it all, the sincerity, the depth, the edinskite. So, give one illustration to show this perspective. We read today Parshas Vayishlach. Yaakov prepares for war with Esav. He's coming to fight. In reality, there's no war. Turns out, it's a beautiful encounter. But the way the Torah describes it is, <coughs> Yaakov picks up his eyes and he sees Esav is coming, 400 people. <coughs> Yaakov sets up the family and then the Torah says, V'hu avar He goes ahead of everybody. V'yishtachu artsa sheva pa'amim ad gishtoi ad achiv. He bows down, he prostrates himself seven times. Imagine the scene. Hishtachavo in Torah doesn't just mean a nod with the head like we do. That's not why Hishtachavo. That's not it. We do it in with the head. You know. Next, next, next. You could do, you know, a dozen, a dozen a second. Hishtachavo in Torah is Pishut Yadai. You go down. It's the real thing. You go flat, as the Rambam explains in Hilchas Avayi the difference of Kriya and Ishtachavo, what Ishtachavo means. So he bows down, and not halfway, Artsa, on the ground, seven times. So I want you to understand the scene, what it looked like. Yaakovino goes down once. It's enough. Once is gone's good. You ever saw anybody go down flat once? You never saw it. You ever saw, you go to your brother, oh, Esau, 
down flat. He jumps up another time. Seven times. Imagine the scene. And everybody watches it. Leia, Betrachel, Yosef. Everybody's there. The whole Alech Siddim, all the children. <laughs> They're watching a scene. Ad Gishtoi, Ad Ochiv. Each time he's getting closer. It's not fair. He goes down once, gets closer, gets closer. By the way, I'm just reading the Pasuk. I'm translating it. You all look and shriek like you just heard a story for the first time. Okay. But it's, it's, it's called the Bible. It's Genesis, the portion of Ayishlach. Okay, it's, it's a book. It's called Chumash. Jews used to learn it. It's Kedai to be Mechadish, the Limud and Chumash. I'll call upon him. Till he gets close to his brother. After seven times, what happens? Esav runs towards him. By your, it's Esav Lekrasa. He embraces him, falls on his neck. He kisses him, and they both start crying. The whole confrontation that we were expecting, war, violence, at least contention, it's gone. It's gone. Vayifku, they're both crying. Why did Yaakov bow down seven times? Seven times he bowed down. There's a lot of this in the Mepharshim, including in the Midrashim, and some see it as a negative with consequences for generations, the Malchei Edoim, the Eight Malachim. If you look in Vayishlach, he calls him Adoini eight times. <laughs> Esav is referred to my master eight times in Vayishlach. Also discussed in Medrash. Some see it as a negative. He bowed down, he prostrated himself, it was undesirable. Shivim Panam Lataira. But I want to share with you an insight that comes, <clears throat> it comes from this from what you would call the hashkafa of the pnimius. When you look at the inside, you could see a new reality. This is from the Sefer, it's called it's a Sefer Teres Levi Yitzchak. There's a few lines there. He says, he says the Pshat is Azai. The name Yitzchak, Yud Tzadik Cheskuf, Teres Levi Yitzchak was written, was written actually in exile in Kazakhstan by a Jew whose name was Reb Levi Yitzchak Shneerson. He was the father of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he was the Rav of Yakatrinislav, which after the revolution is known as Dnepro Petrovsk. Then he was exiled by the communists. He was tortured. He was sent to Kazakhstan. He passed away in exile in 1944, Khafov. In exile, his wife made ink. She, she, she took herbs. She grew herbs. He had nothing. And she developed ink. And he had a few svarim they let him have. A mishnayis, a zoyar, a few svarim that she brought. So he wrote on the foot, he wrote on this margins. Years later, it was smuggled out of Russia. And somebody brought it to his son. It was smuggled out. It was all So it was printed in the, in the 70s. So it was a sefer teres levi yitzchak. So it's a suge in mesechta avaydezara. A suge in avaydezara about the yivanim and the reimayim, a whole sugi there. But over there he mentions this. So he says, if you take the name Yitzchak, Yud Tzadik Cheskuf, it's the gematria, Yud and Tzadik is a hundred, the numerical value of a hundred, Kuf is another hundred, it's 208. Yitzchak is 208. 208 makes up eight, na- eight times Hashem's name. Hashem's name is Yud, He, and a Vav, and a He, Yud Ke Vav Ke, is 26. 
Eight times twenty-six emes, two hundred eight. Okay, a duzakst. Ben sin matre yitzchak. Those are the shaykes to babev. Yeah, yeah. Yitzchak, yeah, is two hundred eight. It's eight times the name of Hashem. Multiply twenty-six eight times. So he says. Now take a look at Yaakov. Yaakov is kuf is a hundred. Right, Ayin and Yud is 80, 70 and 10. And Bez is 2, it's 182. 182 is 7 times Hashem's name. Yitzchak is 8 times Hashem's name, 208. Yaakov is 182, it's missing 26. It's 7 times Hashem's name. So he says, well, what happened? Yitzchak passes on to Yaakov, and suddenly one time Hashem's name gets lost. And who gave him the name Yaakov? Yitzchak. By Esav it says, Vayikru Shmoy Esav. By Yitzchak it says, Vayikra. Vayikra Shmoy Yaakov. Rivka didn't agree. It was Yitzchak's name. So Yitzchak gives him the name Yaakov, not Rivka, Vayikra in the singular. Two opinions in Rashi. Yitzchak gave him the name. And what does he give him? A name, 182, which is missing... Hashem's name once, seven times Hashem's name. Where did this eight, eighth time get, get lost? So he says, Yaakov had a brother. <laughs> His brother was Esav. Esav is 376. Sin is 300. I involve is 76, 376. 376, he says, is Tomei seven times and one time Hashem's name. 376 Tomei is Tes Mem Aleph. How much is that? 50. 7 times 50 is 350. Plus 26 is 376. That's Esav. One time Hashem's name went to Esav, but it was covered by seven layers of toxicity, of anxiety, of trauma, of brokenness. Seven times Tomei is 350 plus another 26. That's where the eighth time Shem Havaya went. Yaakov got seven and Yitzchak got one. Esav, which of course represents the fact that in Esav this tension. It says, Reisha the Esav, Bitfidi, the head of Esav, is buried in the bosom of Yitzchak. Till today, Morris Machpela. Because Esav is spiritually schizophrenic. In Esav there's Hashem's name. He's Yitzchak's child, he's Rivka's child. Yishmael was Hagar's child. Esav, the Gemara says in Kiddushin, Yudches, Yisrael Mumer Haya. He was a Yisrael. Esav was a Jew. Not like Yishmael. Esav was a Jew. Yisrael Mumer. So there's a Shema Vaya inside of him, but it's covered by so many layers of impurity, of detachment. That's why Yitzchak wants to bless him. Yitzchak wants to sublimate him. Yaakov, once upon a time, ran away from Esau. But now Yaakov reached out to Esau. And he hears that Esau is going to war. Esau wants to kill you. So what does Yaakov do? So he says, He goes ahead of his family. And he bows down. Until he touches his brother. Why seven times? 
He said, Esav is covered by seven layers of Tomei. To get to the eighth level, to Shema Vayi, you have to go through the seven. Each time he bows down, he pierces through, he opens up, he punctures the dense veil to touch the holiness of Esav. Until he meets his brother. How does bowing down help? What does bowing down do? What does bowing down mean? I'm standing straight. I bow down flat. What does that represent? What did that mean for Esav? The message is very profound. I meet an Esav inside of me or inside somebody else. I can't stand straight and sit on the throne and say, Hey, Esav, come here. I have to be able to connect to him and to go into his world and to go into his space. He should feel the attachment. He should feel the connection. And each time I go down, one level of Tomei could be removed. But once is not enough. Sometimes you have a child. You have a person who's covered by layers and layers of brokenness. And I want to sit and say, come, come, come to me, come to me. I have to be able to go out of my space, out of my own structure, out of my own confined ego, even if it's a spiritual ego, and really tune in, make you feel that I'm connected to you, that I love you, that I cherish you, that I understand you, I'm here for you. And that helps the ace of heal. It helps him remove a layer. Because all trauma, all brokenness, is we create layers. I don't allow my own core to come out. I live in a very restricted consciousness. So I have to really go out of my own orbit and bow down. Bow down here means not that I lose my identity, but it means that I have the courage to be able to connect to your identity. I have the courage to really be able to go out of my own little circle and to be able to make you feel that we're really attached, we're really connected. I believe in you, I love you, I cherish you. I know that there's a core behind it all. One time, another time, another time, another time. Seven times. Ad gishtoi ad achiv. The first time it says in the parsha, or the second time, brother without Asaph. Till this point, every time you mention Asaph, his brother, his brother Asaph, the first time without Asaph. Because for the first time, he went through the Asaph, he found his brother. Ad gishtoi ad achiv. What's ad gishtoi ad achiv? The Balatanya says in Torah Yishlach, the Balag ad gishtoi doesn't only mean getting close, it's also from the word megashesh. Until he touched his brother, Gishtai. Till he was like Megashesh Bafela. When you're walking in the darkness, the Gemara says you, you, you're trying to feel out. At Gishtai. Until he got close and he touched. He touched his Achiv. He touched the place where they're brothers. They're not separated. Ad Achiv. He went through the seven levels of Tameh, and now what happens? The eighth comes out, Shemavaya. So what happens? Asaph runs over to him. And he hugs him, falls on his neck, Vayifku, they cry. Like two brothers who have been alienated and they have been reunited. What happened? The first thing happened was Yaakov didn't take the externality so seriously. 
He didn't take it personal. He didn't look at the tummy and get entangled and get frustrated and get vengeful and fight or flight. No. He knew that there's a deeper core that we have to uncover. And he had the courage to be able to step down from the high horse, so to speak, and to tune in to that world. Now, it's a very, it's a very powerful process to do that because it's not the place where I'm comfortable. But it's the place where he had to go. When that happens, there's a certain healing in Esav that comes out. The seventh time, Shem Avaya, in Esav comes out. The Gemara says in Avedezara that the Romans wanted to reward the Chashmanayim for helping them defeat Greece. So they gave them rulership for 26 years. So he says that's the 26th, the Shem Avaya that Esav has that came out and they gave it to the Chashmanayim. Until the time of Allah Mishim Baratzin Lish Bereza Vahisal Hashem Amlucha, Az Epe Chalamam Safa Bruda, Likre Kulam Beshem Hashem Love De Kulam Shechemechot, when there'll be the unity of the brothers, the unity of the world, Vahisal Hashem Amlucha, Bayemo Yi Hashem Echadash Mayechad. Sometimes in life, you face your own ace of layers and layers and layers of things that say, Tame, 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 seven times. Or you face somebody that looks like Esau. Either inside of you or outside of you. Sometimes it's your own family. The natural tendency is you run away. That's what Yaakov did once upon a time. He ran away. But then comes a point, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim. The Medrash says, why did he wake up the bid? The Medrash says, why do you go wake up a sleeping dog? Don't wake up a sleeping bit. It's hibernating. Yaakov understood now is the time to reach out to Esau. And when he goes through this process, he's Megala, the Pnimius of Esau. So Chas V'Shalom, this is even Esau before Matan Torah, Yisrael Mumar. Certainly now, you don't run away, you don't have to run. What you have to do is, I have to be able to go into your space or to my space. And even though I think, what's the point? And I'm just belittling myself, but it's really much deeper. It's the confidence of knowing that beneath the layers, there is lurking, there is embedded a holiness, a kedusha that's there. And don't be afraid of the chitzonius. Never. You look at the pnimius, look at the inside. And when you, you believe in him, he'll be able to believe in himself. And he'll be able to be megala, his own pnimius. His own is his own inner neshama, his own inner core, that will emerge, and it will emerge in its full glory, even if this name of Havaya is hidden beneath, beneath layers. In every person's life, there's things that block us, and we feel blocked, and we become a little paralyzed or numb or depressed, especially during the corona, a lot of people, you know, they... Fahak, they feel fahakt, fakvetched, stuck behind screens, not sure what the future is going to be. So the, this is the yesoid that the Baal Shem Tev, his students were always trying to be Megala. Kirva salakim litoiv. Never ever surrender to superficiality. Never ever lose touch of the pnimius. Never ever give up on yourself 
or on anybody else. But you have to have the courage to sometimes go down flat, which means I have to go outside of my brain, I have to go outside of my structure, I have to go outside of my spiritual ego, and I have to really, really tune in to my own inner, inner world and somebody else's inner, inner world. Connect, connect. Don't detach. Connect more, connect deeper. Go deeper, connect them. You feel this tummy, the tummy is so thick. Don't run, connect more. They're broken. The Shema Vaya is in exile. Connect more. Go, stay, stay. Don't run away. Stay there. Stay in the relationship. Intensify the relationship. And let them feel that you're in their world. Let them feel that you bond. You know how to bond. You know how to connect. Ooh, for this you got to get rid of the anger. For this you got to get rid of the religious ego. For this you have to start thinking about the reputation of the family. For this you have to stop thinking about the shidduchim ma'yoimru. For this you have to stop thinking about the resumes for the seminaries. For this you have to stop thinking about superficiality and you have to start thinking about the riboyna shaloylam. They say there was once a yid. He woke up in the morning sweating. His wife said, what happened? What happened? He says, I had a horrible dream. She says, what, 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 what's the shigashen? You, you, I can't talk. She says, you died? You died in the dream? What happened? He says, worse. She says, what's worse than you dying? What, what, what was worse? So he goes like this. She says, what? Hashem? He says, yeah, yeah. You dr- I dreamt that Kevayachal Hashem passed away. And the Chavakadusha came and they made a Leviathan. That the Rebbein Shalalam, I dreamt that he is not Yisgadal v'Yisgadash, but over here there's no Yisgadal because he himself is Yisgadal v'Yisgadash. And there was Timus Hagoylo, they buried him else. So she says, "Ah, this is what's upsetting you. You probably as Mestam getzach veGenem Batog. You probably were thinking about Hashem by day. So the Gemara says, so you you dreamt about him at night. He says, no, Chavshinish getzach veGenem Fertzik Yar." 40 years I haven't been thinking about him. 40 years, it's not that you can't attribute the dream to that. For this, I have to go out of stop asking how I fit in, how I don't fit in, and start asking what Hashem wants for me. Because the definition of Avedis Hashem, especially according to the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov is, it's never to get stuck in a certain structure, like we learned today in the morning in the Shir, in Teira Er. Never to get stuck. This is what it looks like. The Rebbe Rebbeinim, Rebbe Simchabinim said, Loisasun kein l'ashem alakeichem. Avoidus Hashem is never kein. Azoi izus. Today it's like this. Tomorrow it has to be the opposite. What does serving God look like? One day it looks like this, and tomorrow it may look exactly different. There's absolute flexibility, because sometimes the worst ego is the spiritual ego. This is who I am. I don't step out of this. You want to get close to me? You get close to me. You think you're worshipping Hashem. You're worshipping a God that is really a fixed image. There's a beautiful word from the Kotzke Rebbe. It says in Medrash Rabbah Kahelas, on the Pasuk, Shleim HaMelech says the word Hevel, Sheva HaVolim, seven times Hevel. Everything is vanity, seven times so the Medrash Rabbah says, 
There's seven stages of a person's life. This is what it says. You could look it up, Kahelis Rab, in the beginning. When you're born, everybody treats you like a king. You ever saw a baby is born? They hold him, pictures, pictures. How much does he weigh? Yeah? Who does he look like? They're getting the best clothes from everybody. He's buying gifts. Everybody treats him like a king or a queen. Mendes Rab is two years old. I'm quoting. Don't, don't get upset at me. I'm quoting. Two years old, the same baby is now in every sewage system. And wherever there's a mess in the house, you know, and the manager says, Now the baby becomes like the swine who is always in dirty pipes. Wherever there's a mess, the baby is there and you could blame him. Then comes the age of 10, he becomes a goat. He's jumping everywhere. The age of 10, he's jumping everywhere. If you ever saw a real goat, he's jumping everywhere. He says at the age of 20, he becomes a horse. A horse is very busy decorating himself. A horse likes to be attractive. I don't know if you know, but horses groom themselves. At 20, he's trying, this is what the manager says, he's trying to appease the matziv. He wants to look good. He wants to attract the opposite gender. So he becomes like a horse. He gets married. He says, now he becomes, that's what he says, now he becomes like a chamoy. <laughs> now he's a donkey. Eh, schlepped and schlepped and schlepped. Got to pay rent or mortgages. Eh, schlepped all days, schlepping this job, that job, that job. Schlepped from Schwer, schlepped from Taten, schlepped from Schwige, schlepped from Keulel, schlepped from business, schlepped from the government, schlepped from Trump, schlepped from Biden. Eh, schlepped and schlepped, he's a donkey. He says, then he gets a little older, and now Baruch Hashem is a big mishpacha. Eleven kids, tuition could cost you with the seminaries, right, with the flights every six weeks. V'chuli, v'chuli, he says, now he, you have to have the chutzpah, becomes like a dog. <laughs> now you have to have pure chutzpah to be able to make ends meet. So he says, from a king, he became a chazer, a goat, a horse, a donkey, and finally ends up like a dog. His skin, when he becomes an old man, now he becomes a chimpanzee. But this, the Medrash doesn't explain why. Till this point, the Medrash says, everyone, why? what's a chimpanzee? Over here, there's no explanation. You've got to figure it out on your own. Because the Medrash didn't want to upset the elderly, maybe, so didn't explain why. So the way the world touches the Medrashes, a chimp or a monkey... Where an ape copies people. They imitate people. So when you become a, a Zayda, an Alta Zayda, you start displaying, you start making tricks for the grandchildren. You want they should come to the house. They're sitting around the table. They're bored. So what does a good Zayda do, an Alta Zayda do? Yeah? Anybody? You make faces. You start copying people. You know what it is. You do this, you that. You're an older person. You want to entertain the o'clock, And then you become like a chimpanzee. That's the literal interpretation that's brought. The Kotzke Rebbe, I think it's in Siach Sarfikoidish, one of the Svarim, he says the Pshat Nemesh is something else. <laughs> very, very powerful. Hiskin Areyu Kekoif. He says, when you get older, a chimpanzee imitates people. He says, when you get older, you start imitating. You know who you start imitating? Yourself. <laughs> you start becoming a copy of yourself. Meaning, 
At some age in life, you're a mavakish, you're searching. But then you settle into a structure and you become comfortable. He says, now you get older, you're just imitating yourself. Why am I living today the way I'm living today? Because it worked yesterday, it worked a month ago, it worked a year ago. You settle in and you become comfortable with your Yiddishkeit, with your Shalom Bayez. This is who I am, you like it, good, you don't like it. He says, you start copying yourself. You're not alive anymore. You're just doing everything because this is how it works. I wake up in the morning, he says, you become an ape. You lose the creativity, the vibrancy of what it means to be a human being. What's a human being? Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu. Balatanya once said about the Magid, he says, the Rebbe, the Magid, the Mezitcha Magid was crippled in his leg, his left leg. He used to walk with, uh, with sticks. He couldn't walk regularly. That's how they knew when he's coming at night because the sticks, they would hear the sticks. In Beis Medrash, he, he, someone's walking at night, everybody knew the sticks. His left leg he couldn't pick up. So he says, He was, he was a perfect, what's Pshat Adam, what's Pshat a perfect person? The Pasuk says, Nasa Adam, Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu. What's an Adam? An Adam is in the image of Hashem. We say like Bohem about Yabshirim Bayechai in the Piyutim. Nasa Adam, Nemar, Bavurecha. When Hashem said, Let's make man, <laughs> he had you in mind. What does it mean a person is in the divine image? So he said, The Pshat is that an Adam is really every limb and organ of a person reflects the structure of godliness, what's known as the spheres, Adam Elyon. It says in Zoya, Chesed, Droy Yemina. The right arm is love, Gvura Droy Smala. So he said that the Rebbe is given Adam Hashalem, that every limb and organ of his reflected the divine energy, the divine reality. And then he said, and that's why the Rebbe didn't pick up his left leg. Because he didn't want to be ma'ayrer midas ha in the world. The left is associated with gvura, with sternness. He didn't pick up his left leg because he didn't want to arouse the mid of gvura in the world. Well, you look, the reason he didn't pick up his left leg because he had an illness, he had an ailment. That's the chitzainius of it. The pnimius of it is... He didn't want to be married to Midas HaGvur in the world. So a person, Nasa Adam, a person is a reflection of Hashem. Hashem is infinite. So what does it mean to be a reflection of Hashem? That you're also infinite. That you never stop growing. You never get stuck. You don't become a chimpanzee. Now we love chimps. In fact, we share 98% of DNA with chimps. Right? You know that. There's not such a big difference. Okay, some people a little more, Mustama. Some people a little less. Kol chadafim should delay. Fine. We also share 50% of DNA with a banana. Yeah? Banana. Some people share more DNA with cotton candy or potato chips. Some people with a banana. Some people share DNA with cucumbers. But a chimp is 98%. Because Taka, 98% of the time we're just busy copying. Either I'm copying you, and if I'm even a creative person, I'm copying me. <laughs> I'm copying the me from yesterday. But the me from yesterday is not the me from today. 
Hamachadish betuve b'chol yom tamed masa bereishis. Stop copying. They once asked a hundred and four year old woman, "What's the advantage of living to a hundred and four?" So she said, "No peer pressure. <laughs> Don't have to copy anybody." Yeah. The problem is, you start copying yourself. I become comfortable. What happens with Yaakov Avinu is he doesn't copy himself. That's you bow down seven times. I mean, I, I'm ready to transcend my comfort zone. I'm ready to go out of my comfort zone, my spiritual comfort zone. Why? To be able to tune in, to be able to tune into another person, to be able to tune into the pnimius of Esav. Yaakov doesn't get afraid. And then you know what happens? Esav could now not get a, be afraid of himself. You think you're afraid of Esav? You know who's more afraid of Esav? Esav. The person who's broken is much more afraid of him than you are. So what happens is by you being afraid of him, you just reinforce to him that he has to be afraid of himself. When you stop being afraid of him, he doesn't have to be afraid of him. You're not afraid of his trauma, he's not afraid of his trauma. You're not afraid of your trauma, so your trauma doesn't have to be afraid of itself. And then the Havaya, the Yutke Vavke, the Lukus, the Ein Soif, the infinity could come out. Former chief rabbi of Israel, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau. Shlit, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau. Former chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, former chief rabbi of Israel. So he's, Rabbi Lau is a, is a Holocaust survivor, one of the youngest. He was liberated from Buchenwald at the age of eight, lost most of his family, became chief rabbi of Israel, really became one of the great orators in the Jewish world. Yarech Hashem Yamav Last week, he joined a Zoom it's not easy to bring Rabbi Lau for a speech, but Zoom, one of the milers, the chesroinus of Zoom, that you can't, you can't argue with me. But one of the milers of Zoom is, yeah? One of the milers of Zoom is that you could be everywhere. <laughs> you could speak in Australia and stay in Muncie. I had th- Thursday, I had a speech. One speech was Melbourne. <laughs> Another speech was Barilan University. <laughs> Barilan University, another one was New York, another one was England, all the same day, Amachaya, first class seat, you go, Concord airplane, ahead, ahead, Amachaya. There was a, a, a high school, having a high school, Montreal, Israel, having a mitzvah class, so they asked Rabbi Lau to speak to them through Zoom, just last week. So he spoke, they're all upset because they all wanted nice bar mitzvahs, and Israel is now pretty much on lockdown, so there's no bar mitzvahs, I mean everything is Zoom, you know, your uncle joins from Los Angeles, and the Baba joins from wherever the Baba joins, and the great uncle joins from wherever he joins, and everybody says Mazel Tov, and that's it, but the, the party is not there, the, 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 the Chagiga is not there, so Rabbi Lau is talking to the children, and they're expressing how upset they are, they have to give up on the dream, so Rabbi Lau says, let me tell you about my bar mitzvah. He said, I was an orphan. His father was killed, was gassed in Treblinka. His mother was also murdered during the Holocaust. And his siblings were murdered. His brother Naftali survived. He took him in a sack in Buchenwald. And he came to Yisrael, had nobody. His older brother. And he had, a bro- he had an uncle who was alive in Kiryat Motzkin. And he raised him. Mamish, a little orphan. Came by Bar Mitzvah. It was Parshish Shlach. 
So it was exciting. This is like the first time, you know, his life will, you know, somebody's going to know. First milestone in his life, really. So Bamitsu was a big thing, and his uncle made sure, you know, to make a shturim. He should feel, get attention. And people came from the whole Israel. Whoever had a connection to honor an orphan who had mamish nobody, a Holocaust survivor. There weren't so many because kids did not survive, unfortunately. The kids that survived, everyone was a mamish ud mutzel mayesh. And I prepared for months, I prepared for months to read Parsha Shlach. He says, in Shul, the Balkaida, the one who would read, was an Altayid. His name was Moshe. He had a, a, a small white beard. And he would read every week the Parsha for years. This was his thing. And he loved every moment of it because this was, this was the validation he got. The Yashikoyach after Kriya Satayra. And after every aliyah, this was his fuel. This was his oxygen. When there was a bar mitzvah boy, the gabayim would tell him in the beginning of the week, don't prepare. He said, my bar mitzvah, they forgot to tell him. He said, come Shabbos, parasha shlach. I go up to the bimah, right, when they bring in the sefer Torah. And from the other side, Moshe comes up. And we meet on the bimah. The gabay says, Moshe, bar mitzvah hayam. You know the gabayim? Bar mitzvah. Moshe says, Lo amruli. Nobody told me. Moshe says, Achshav amrim lecha. We're telling you now. He says, What? Kol ha-shanim anikorebihitnadvut. I do this voluntarily. I prepare a whole week. I prepare a whole week. Nobody told Now we tell you. Moshe says, I don't understand. Finally, this is a Shabbos. The shul is packed. And you're going to take away from me my kriyas atayla. So every week I read an empty shul. So this week it's packed. And now you're going to take it away from me? Gabbai says, Nobody told me. I prepared all week. And Rabbi Lau says, I'm 13. And I see Moshallah, his mom is almost weeping. He says, how do you do this to me? The Gabbai wants to throw him out of shul or oil vod. You know, there's a, a Yosem, a mitzvah, a holocaust kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Rabbi Lau tells the Gabbai, let me take care of it. He goes over to Mareb Moshe. He says, Moshe, listen. I'm a young boy. I'm 13 years old. I believe I'll have many opportunities to read the Torah in public and speak in public. But you're an El Tidayid. It's yours. I'm happy. I'll have other weeks. And he says, and I went down. He turned to the Bar Mitzvah boys and he said, and indeed I had quite a few opportunities <laughs> to speak to crowds and to teach them Torah and to read the Torah. Quite a few opportunities. He's probably one of the most uh, well-known speakers in the Jewish world. And he told the boys, this Jew, you know, I'm saying, I don't know who exactly was the bar mitzvah boy and who was the elder boy, right? I don't know who exactly was the child and who was the adult, but that's not relevant. The point is, he saw this, this is, this is his, this is his oxygen. This is his oxygen. He gave it to him. He gave it to him. Yeah. And he was telling the and he told the kids, when you forgo, you have to know what to sweat and what not to sweat, what to hold on to, what not to hold on to. And when you give up things that you don't have to hold on to, he says, you're not going to really lose. 
In the long run, maybe it looks like you lose, you're not going to really lose. So he told the boys, just know what you're holding on to, what you're not holding on to, what you obsess is what you're not. In every person's life, it's that ability to be able to see a bigger picture and not to get stuck in my insecurity or my ego. To be able to always operate from a place of infinity and expansiveness. Not to get scared of the outside, of the outside Esau. And then you reveal the true core, the true beauty, the true love, and the true infinite depth within yourself and within every person around you. L'chaim, 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 l'chaim. I 
And how is she? So how is she now? Somebody's there with her. Wow. Oh, it's so stressful, huh? Kafa <laughs> Kella. The yeshiva dot The yeshiva. The. T H E. The yeshiva. Chayim, 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 There was a Yid I knew already in his older years. His name was Rabbi Menachem Mendel Futefas. You could thank them. I remember when I was a child in Rosh Hashanah, they would call him, they gave him an aliyah in Shul. So the Balkaira said, Yamohoid, Harav Menachem Mendel, Be'arav Menachem Mendel. And as a child, I couldn't understand why. Is his name the same like his father's name? So I asked my father, Allah Shalom, and he said that his father passed away before he was born. So at the Bris, they named him after his father. He grew up in the Soviet Union, and uh, he was a special person. He suffered terribly, and he was involved in forging passports to allow Jews to leave the Soviet Union after the war, Stalin, Yemach Shemoy, allowed Polish citizens to leave, those who escaped to Russia during the war. So he was involved in forging passports for people to leave the Soviet Union, even though they were Russians. They caught him. His wife and son got out. He was caught, and he was sent to Siberia for, I think, 10 years. I think he had eight children, and he lost almost, I think, all of them during his lifetime, besides one son who's alive, I knew him later, in the 70s and the 80s. He came out of Russia. He was already an older Jew. He was a smart person. He was a Oived Hashem. He was a real chassid. And he was also, he was a funny person. He was humorous. He had a simchas So I would fabreng with him from time to time. He also was a very good schmoozer. He, and he knew about, he knew life. As you say, he knew life. So he would tell stories from Siberia. He would share stories. He once shared the following story. So it was a life-changing lesson. Stalin exiled to Siberia everybody. Everybody. Meaning if you, if you used your brain, you either were shot or you ended up in the gulag. 
professors, rabbis, lahavdil uh, essayists, thinkers. If you had anything, if you had any opinion, it was already uh, he killed fifty million people. It doesn't happen. Uh, he killed fifty million. He killed more people than Hitler. So Mendel says he was in a barrack, and the Gentiles there they trusted him because they knew he's not you know he wasn't part of their world, so they liked him. And if you weren't on their good side, you know achas dosa. One of the most biggest crimes you could do in the barrack is play cards. Because you weren't allowed to entertain yourself. You had to work all day. And you went to the barrack. There's no entertainment. This is not vacation. It's Siberia. He said, but in his barrack, they had cards. And at night, after lights out, the cards would come out. And they would play cards. This was their way of entertaining themselves. The inspector would sometimes barge into the room, to the barrack, where they were sleeping on planks, but he never caught them. If you were caught with cards, you could be sent to solitary confinement, alone. You can get a worse punishment. You can get whipped. And if the guy was in a really bad mood, he can kill you too. He says, once the inspector came in, he said, I know you guys are playing cards. I'm going to check out this room completely. If you don't give it in now, it's going to be worse. He locks the door and he starts inspecting. And the Mendel said, he said, I was there. And he looks everywhere. Everybody has to empty out their pockets. Every suitcase, whatever there was, there was so much space. He looked under all the beds. There's no cards. He's looking hours, searching. He's going to bust them because he smelled that there's cards. There's no cards. He leaves the room finally frustrated. They close the door. The cards come out. They start playing again. Mendel goes to the Rosha Chabure. He goes to the, he goes to the you know the leader of the gang. He says, "You have to tell me the mystery. How? How do he never catches you with? He looked everywhere. What do you do?" The guy says, listen, I wouldn't tell anybody, but you are trust. I'll tell you. He says, we're professional pickpocketers. We're the best. The guy comes in. When he comes in, I take the cards and I put them into his pocket. (laughs) He looks everywhere but his own pocket. There he doesn't look. (laughs) What should I look at my own pocket? He looks in every besides his own. Right before he leaves, I schlep it out of his pocket. He goes out, we're back with the cards. Reb Mendel turns to a bunch of teenagers and he says, everybody is an expert on what's happening in everybody else's pocket. He says, people don't realize to check in their own pocket. He says, Bdikas Chomets, we do in everybody else's pockets. I find the chametz here and there and there in everybody else's house. The Mishnah says, people started to learn Psachim last week. First Mishnah of Psach. Wherever you don't bring in chametz, you don't have to check. He says, you only check places where you brought in chametz. Did you bring in chametz to other people's pockets? No, don't check there. <laughs> check where you bring in chametz. Your own home. In your own pockets.
And Reb Mendel said, change doesn't happen in other people. Change happens in yourself. It's easy to change your wife. It's easy to change your kids. It's easy to change the world. It's easy to change your rabbi, right? It's easy, especially with Rabbi Lankry. Not a tough guy. You want to change me, change me. It's easy to get angry. It's busy. This one is guilty. This one is guilty. This one, this, this. If everything would be... The last, the one, the only one I don't look in his pockets is me. He said, that's the only place where the cards are. <laughs> that's where the game is. That's where the card is. Check in your own pockets. And the truth is that it's the hardest place to check. <laughs> in your pockets, it's easy to check. I can judge you. I can criticize you. I can ridicule you. My own pockets, eh, my pockets are good. That's not because chametz is in my house, not in your house. You check in your house, I check them out. Halachically, there's no halacha to check in somebody else's house. Unless you make me a shliach, there's dinarvus. I have to check in my corners. my But I don't want to. But if you want to change the world, you first have to change yourself. And it's not just a cute vart, it's true. The internal transformation creates external transformation. And if you don't believe it, you can ask Mr. Corona. Mr. Corona will tell you what happened. The whole world was changed from Corona. But how? How? The answer is, I don't know exactly, but I'm painting one possible picture. We may find out in a year. There's another picture. There was a man, a fine man, a Chinese man who lived in Wuhan. One of 12 million people. 12 million people live in Wuhan, China. One of 12 million. The kids were hungry. So he went to the marketplace and he bought a couple of bats for dinner. Here you buy sushi, over there they buy bats. Okay. He bought a couple of bats. If you would sit down with him by dinner and you would say, Reb China, Reb, uh, whatever his name was, Reb Wu, probably his name was Wu. Why, why maybe? Wu, whatever. Rabu, you think you have leadership skills? Say, me? <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I'm a Wuhan man. <laughs> I just buy bats. You think you can have a global impact? He said, people like me don't have global impacts. We just try to make a living and uh, make ends meet. But at the end of dinner, this sweet fellow from China sneezed. That's all he did, he sneezed. A few months later, the whole world is on lockdown. 7.7 billion people's lives were changed from the mice of this dinner, which happened in December 2019. COVID-19. That's the last time any intelligent person should say, I can't have a global impact. <laughs> and that's the last time a person should say, I'm too small to make a difference. And as the last time a person should say that one action doesn't mean much. When the Rambam says in Hilchis Tshuva, Peter Gimel from a Gemarian Kedushin Memtes, that one mitzvah, one thought, one word, one action can tip a scale and change a whole world. If it's true in the negative, it's certainly true in the positive. What happens inside a person, what happens in my own pockets, has a lot of power. 
You want to change the environment around you? You want to change your family? You want to change your community? Change yourself. I should change myself. But that's hard. <laughs> it's nice to say he, he, she, she's the problem. He's the problem. They're the problem. It's about my own inner work. And this was one of the Yisoydas of the Torah, of the Balshemtiv, the Magad, the Balatanya. Most, much of their teachings talks about the inner power of a Jew to create a shift in the world by creating a shift inside of me. An example. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim. What does Rashi say? Malachim Mamish. He sent angels. <clears throat> so the Rebbe once had a Fabreng in Shabbos Vayishlach said, the Rambam writes in the Guide to the Perplexed, Meir Nevuchim, that the koichish tivim of a person are called malachim, meaning my own mental energy and emotional energy, the Rambam says those are the angels. Angels are not just angels, you know, flying around the tent with wings. The angels, the Rambam says, is your emotional energy and your mental energy. Your koichish haseichel and your koichish amidis. That's what my Rambam writes. We're always sending out angels to feel what's happening. They're called f- fillers. Feelers, not fillers. Feelers. You always exude mental energy and emotional energy, and they come back and they report to you what's happening by Asaph. You come into a room, you come into a situation, and you send out feelers to tell you what's going on, and they come back. And they tell you, Esau is coming to war. What you don't realize is, you're always doing it. But what the Torah is telling you is, You have the power to send out those angels. You own them. And therefore, to a significant degree, you should be aware that you're always sending them out. In other words, you're sending them out whether you know them or you don't know them. But the point of the story is you should know that you're sending out angels. And based on what you send, that's the report you're going to get. So you think that there's a reality out there. No, no, it's your mental energy and your emotional energy that came back to you and said he's going to war. (laughs) He's coming to war. I am the boss of the malachim. They're my malachim. They're my angels. I could send them. And therefore I have to know who I'm sending and what I'm sending. In other words, what type of energy I'm exuding outside to feel the situation. And then they come back and report. Now this happens so fast, we don't realize it, but it's always happening. You come into your home, right? I don't hear what my child tells me. I already sent out an angel. I sent out my mental energy. I projected it. And it came back and said, it's a tough situation. It's time to get angry. <laughs> it's time to detach. Go back for Myriv. You'll come back later. Go, go back for Myriv. Run up to the second floor. Nothing to do with reality. It has to do with the angel you sent out. We're always sending out Malachim. Always. Constantly. And they report and they tell you how to handle the situation. The beauty, the amazing thing of Yaakov was that he understood that. And then he went with the bowing and prostrating themselves and he found a different Esau. (laughs) 
the Malachim said one thing, and then Yaakov himself, he found a different name, so he went even to a deeper place. So Reb Mendel was telling us, Reb Mendel was telling the Chevra, look in your own pockets, change starts inside of yourself, and when you have that courage to do that, the world is a different world. The world is a different place. So sometimes you think it's an exaggeration. It doesn't work that way. But the truth is, it works that way in such a powerful way, which is why we, it's, so pow- it's so tempting to deny it, because it's very powerful. Whatever is powerful, we want to deny. So part of the Avoida, especially in our times, is there's a big world out there. But the world inside of you is even bigger. Because <laughs> that's the world that you can conquer. It's the world that I can conquer. The problem is, I give up on that world. I want to change the outside. It doesn't work that way. It all begins inside. That's where it happens. It all begins inside. And everybody feels what's happening inside. Your children, your spouse, your grandchildren... Your friends, your siblings, your parents, your environment, your community, and all of Klal Yisrael. So I want to bless all of you and all of us that we should be able to own the angels that we send out. You should be able to own them. And you should ask yourself, what are these angels? Am I sending out angels of negativity? Or am I sending out angels of hope? Am I sending out angels of toxicity? Or am I sending out angels of love? Am I sending out angels that are traumatized? Or am I sending out angels that are expansive, infinite, broad, full of light, full of divinity? I have to ask myself that question. And then I have to answer that question. The angels I'm sending out are bringing back the report. And when I can do that once, twice, three times and train myself... That it's all happening inside here. As Sa'ilam Nasan everything changes. Remember when said Parshas Vayeshev, he said, it starts off with one man dreaming. Yosef starts dreaming. He's dreaming. He dreams about grain, he dreams about stars. Suddenly, the whole world is dreaming. Everybody's dreaming. There's a butler, he's busy dreaming. There's a baker, he's busy dreaming. And then there's the king, the superpower, Parai. He also starts dreaming. Why did everybody start? Nobody has been dreaming till now. Yosef started to dream. Everybody starts dreaming. The whole world starts dreaming. Because Yosef understood that Tzadik Yisait Eilam, Bishvili Nivra Eilam. What happens inside of Yosef, it has an effect, a ripple effect in the whole world. That's how it works. So you have to start dreaming big and dreaming beautifully and dreaming lovingly and everybody will start dreaming around you. They once told the Panavijarov, you're a dreamer. He said, MS, but I do it with my eyes open when I'm awake. (laughs) It's very different. So you should be able to dream. You should be able to dream big and dream positive and the angels will come back and you'll open up your packets and you'll see there's a lot of good stuff that can enrich your life. I don't know, cards, if you're looking for cards exactly, or a dreidlach, whatever you're looking for. 
and, and the world changes. Chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. We have the big covet to have my dear colleague, Mora Da Asra, Rav Agon, Reb Aaron Lankwish Lita. I want to take the opportunity to wish both of his parents are a full shleiman or a full kreiva, the car of mamish, especially his mother. <coughs> you know, Rabbi Lankri was uh, <clears throat> heaven and earth were battling, were battling over him. It was one Sayyid, his name was Rabbi Yochanan Gordon. He was a gabai in 770. He's a funny Jew. He was from Dokshitz, Poland. <coughs> The Rebbe was once fabrenging, and he felt sick in the middle. So he left. He went to a side room, and he lay down, lay down on a bench. After the fabrenging, the Rebbe went to be Mekayim Bikechaylam. So he went into the room where he was to visit him. He says, Rebbe Yochana, how are you feeling? So he says, it's a complicated story. He says, was? He says, actually, he was a lad. He was a funny guy. He says, I've been so I died. I came up there. And it's Shabbos afternoon. They said, Who comes to? So they come from the Lubavitch Rebbe's Fabrengen. So they look at me and they say, Ganeiden, uh, it's not for you. You don't belong. Gehenim is closed on Shabbos. So there's only Ganeiden. But they didn't want to let me into Ganeiden. They said, Okay, you know what? We'll send them back down. So he says, so Here I am. Here I am. This was. Uh, this was Rabbi Yochanan's remark. So Baruch Hashem, we're very thrilled that uh, Rabbi Lankri was in a difficult situation. But uh, they said, you know what? He'll tell you the story. He told me what happened. He also went up and they, if he wants, he'll tell the story. Uh, but they sent him back down. So we wish him Arichis Yom and Vashanim Toivis. But Simcha and a lot of Nachas and health and happiness and prosperity. And all the challenges should be transformed into blessings. I want to talk to Rabbi Lankri to give a few words of, uh, of chizuk. I came here tonight to share with everyone a story. But first I must say to the Kahala Kadosh and to all those that are watching, the thousands and thousands that are out there watching, whether it's on Zoom or it's on live. Another Godel just recently said, Gam Zoom Letova, right? In every generation, we get gifts. We get unique individuals that are there for our, specifically for that generation to inspire us, to guide us, to lead us. And Baruch Hashem, in our generation, we have my Yedid, Arav Waiwai, he's a gift to the door. Hashem should give him Shefa, Brocha, Uhu, V'mishpachtoi, V'kol anilvim elav, Me'omik delibi, koach and the Hatzlocha. If he's already touched a million people, it should be tenfold. Tens of millions of people. Amen. I received an invitation from Kvodarav, and in the invitation it said the word Achdus. 
I think the translation of Achdus into English is called Fabrengen. No, is that it? <laughs> I saw it spelled on the on the on the invite. Fabrengen. It must be Achdus. The Gemara in Shabbos Peches. I may get crucified for this, but it's okay. It won't be the first time. The Gemara in Shabbos in Peches on Aleph describes the event by Matan Tur when Am Yisrael said Nasa Nishma. 600,000 Malochei Asharis came down and they put crowns upon the people. All Am Yisrael receives. And when they sinned, 120,000 Malochim came and removed those crowns. One for Nase, one for Nishma. What did I say? 1.2 million, right? Yeah, I was off. I was off by, just, I was off by a little Wuhan, right? <laughs> 1.2 million Malochim came and removed it. Toysvis is bothered. Usually, Amida Toiva is greater than Amida Pranius. I would like to suggest a possible reading into Gemara. Because the Gemara adds one word, and I think this word is unique to understand the power of what a Fabrengen is. And if I'm wrong, whether out, please correct me. It's okay. Shishim ribui maloche asharetz yordu. We I'll call Echod the Echod me Israel upon could have said once Echod. It said on each and each individual I would like to suggest that six hundred thousand Malachim came to each person. And therefore the Mida Toiva is far greater than the Mida Ra. When they sinned, it was 1.2 million. But when you have 600,000 per person, it's 600,000 times 600,000, the big shot. What's the What's that? Oh, guys, here you go. Okay, I could also do the 1.2 sometimes. <laughs> but 600, okay, take out the phone. Yeah, you won't even know how to read that number. <laughs> Just tell me how many zeros, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're moving right along. <laughs> to each, the total was, that's the me, the toiva. And what's the schus of such a reality? Because when we fabring and we're mu'uchadim, then it's a different dynamic than an individual that receives two malachim or one malach. Because we're coming B'Koyach as one. When you come B'Koyach as one, all of your malachim are my malachim, and all of my malachim are your malachim. And then we become invincible. So it's really a great opportunity to be here and to fabrink. L'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim. I don't drink because, yeah, Whatever. There are four people that need to say Hoida. 
Toba Midbar, Yorde Hayam. Choyle, I was very ill. Some will say I'm still ill, but that's a different type of illness. And Yoitzim Abesa Asurim, we're here. Yutes Kislev. All of these four different type of people, there's the possibility they felt that they were detached, not connected, alone. They were lost. They were able to do whatever they want with them. The capital Tehillim ends off, Svardim say the Erev Pesach. Mi chacham v'yishmor ele v'yitbonenu chazde Hashem. Mi chacham v'yishmor ele. Who's a wise man to protect this? V'yitbonenu and to think and to contemplate. What's the word? Contemplate. The chesed of Hashem. Do you really need to be a wise man for that? A guy was in jail. Or a guy was in the, on his deathbed. Do you need to be a wise man to remember this? My Rebbe said a different thing. It's not about memory. It's about being able to yishmor ele. Michacham v'yishmor ele is how to relive it. Ten years, twenty years later, can you relive the same feelings, the anxieties, the challenges of what it was like to be in your moment of duress? For that you need to be a chacham. And for that you need to be a person that is mitbonen b'chazdei Hashem. You have to think about constantly chazdei Hashem. We've all been through challenging times. We've all been a little ill. We've all been out. I'd like to share with everyone a little bit of my story of my COVID experience. It was a little different in the family in China. On Rosh Hashanah, I became symptomatic. And I, I started to feel really ichy. But that happens to us every year, Rosh Hashanah, because we're, we're in Uman, we're exhausted. So I just said to myself that it's, we got the Uman bug. Take a Z-pack tomorrow and we'll, we'll be good. Four or five days I'm talking to myself. My wife tells me, you're in denial. I said, yeah, that's okay, that's my chametz. <laughs> I was in denial. Thursday, before Yom Kippur, I go to a rapid place to check my, my COVID. I couldn't walk out of the car. I had to crawl into the place. They, they stick a stick into my brain. It was, it was really rewarding to know that I had a brain. It was, it was, and it, just that, that test was so painful. It wiped me out for like a half hour. I just had to sit there like I was numb. And from that point on, it was confirmed that I was COVID positive and everything started to go really downhill really, really fast. I really tried to eat on Yom Kippur. I was laying in bed in Yom Kippur and Davin, 
Who could even think about, I, I couldn't move. My body would freeze. I would mamish freeze, shuckle. And then I would collapse. An hour or two later, I would wake up and everything's wet everywhere. And th- that was the cycle. Again and again. Like, you know, shampoo, rinse, scrub, repeat, wash, rinse. Yeah. That, that was happening to me. And by, my, by the time Matzah Yom Kippur came about, I, I didn't believe I had enough strength to go through one more cycle. of. But on Yom Kippur, I said one pasuk in my mind as a constant mantra. And then I would say on a private note, Hashem, by the way, Lohem I'm not really interested in these Yisurim. By the way, if you haven't noticed, it, and Motsoy Yom Kippur, I was taken to the hospital. They took me to a place called Mount Sinai. I, was, I didn't know if it was day or night. I was in a tremendous amount of pain. It was like an internal pain. And um, I felt like a truck ran me over. And then decided, ah, let's go in reverse. And then when he was finished with reverse, he said, let's go forward. And that was Toshash Koichi. I, at some points in time, they, I started to see the light. And I got closer and closer. And they were playing a song. And it said, Only the good die young. Lankry, get out of here. So I, you see, I, I had a very unique uh, upbringing. Well, as, as a child, I was very accustomed to not getting accepted in yeshivas. So when they told me, you're not welcome to yeshiva Shalmala, I said, don't worry, I can deal with it. I've been there before. It's not my first rejection. Hashem, when it comes to kehilas also, I've had multiple rejections. It's all good. It's all good. It was like the first time I skipped out of this. Yes, they didn't want me. Boch Hashem. But they, they didn't say that I was, gonna, I was, gonna, I was not going to have a rough ride. They, they just said, okay, good luck with your next interview. So we're here on borrowed time, and we're working towards the next interview. That's, uh... But there's a, there's a certain deeper emotion that I, I want to, that, that's it's quite private, because at the time, no one could really visit me. And I know many people were davening for me. I know many people... Uh, texted me phone calls. I apologize to everyone for not answering. Uh, I'm available now. No one now. No one's calling. <laughs> you become popular when you can't talk, right? I would like to share with everybody some of my private, intimate moments and how I feel it changed me. I don't know for the better. But we'll find out in the years to come. A yid is never alone. A yid is never alone. Imagine, I'll just give one example. 
the first night of Sukkot. But this was my routine every day, every night. First night of Sukkot. I'm just imagining everyone's in their sukkah. They have the Ushvizin, they're getting embraced with uh, the presence of Avramavinu. And I'm on my back, and I'm staring at the clock. And occasionally, I don't know if it's my eyes, but occasionally I would see the second handle go back a second. It used to freak me out. No, you can't do that. I don't want to live that second one more time. Someone told me it's a, it's a special clock, and it, it you know it resets itself every day to be exact. And I said, I had to get that clock. The organizations of Chesed, the outstanding organizations of Chesed twenty four seven and Satmar Bikacholim would deliver packages. The packages were huge, big bags of food. I would look at the bags and I would say, I, I don't have the koyach to even open up the wrapping. I can't move. But at the same time, I was breaking inside and I was saying to myself, but Yidin were most nefesh for me. And they don't even know me. And could be, I won't be here tomorrow. So how can I not, like Yitzchak Avinu Beterem almost give them a bracha for what they've done, their hashtadlos. So, with koiches that I didn't have, I would get up and open up the package of Chesed 24-7 because it was a smaller package, but it was, it was cuter. They had a flower. They had a Kiddush cup. It, was, it must have been designed by a lady because if it was up to just guys, it would just be a sandwich. You know, I'm like, here, eat. Had a tablecloth. Had, had chalas. And it was really nice. And I, I would start to unravel this bag, try to make Kiddush. I don't know, somehow when you're making Kiddush Balpeh and you're confused, you either end up in, in Baruch Shamar or in Benching or both. Some, it's okay. It's like, like this story, Hashem, you masader it. I'll send the words up, you figure it out. How often do you make Kiddush for Sukkot? And like it's once a year. So make our, we're trying our best. And as I finish Kiddush, I try to open up the gefilte fish thing. Wash, kaviyochel, you know what I'm saying. It's like when you're driving, you know, there's no water around. So you, you take the bread and you hold on to a piece of paper and you kaviyochel wash. Come on, guys, you know the story. Right, no one's looking. I was alone in the room. No, actually, I wasn't alone. I would start off my suuda singing a song, trying to sing. I didn't have a voice. Hashem <laughs> 
ממני מחורר, ומשמאלי גבריאל, מלפני אוריאל, ומאחורי רפואל. ויאל רוי שישכי נעשה. We're not alone. And I'd look to the Shekhinah right above my head. I said, Rabbein Alamim, what's our issues? We're in Golis for so long. What is our issue? Sinah Shekhinah? That's your issue? I'd point to the bags. And I'd say, look at this Ahava Shekhinah. They don't know me. And I'd open the gefilte fish. And there was the gefilte fish without a carrot. And I would imagine to myself, there's some volunteer or there's some girl, some guy running around putting carrots on gefilte fish. And they said, don't close that box. It didn't get the carrot. And I wanted to tell her, I'm Michael on the carrot. I, I really am. I took a little taster and I said a bracha to each and every person that was involved in my gefilte fish you don't know me but Hashem is right here to you and your family whatever you need whatever your desires are should become letoiva And I would go from the gefilte fish, I would skip a little bit sometimes to dessert. Compote. Do you, anybody know what compote is? We used to get two compotes per meal. And you taste it and give a bracha. And I would tell Rabbani Shlilo, look at all this. And at some point, I got upset. And I said, Hulkus, Hulkus. Did you taste ever the chicken of Bikr Choylem of Satmar? Do you taste the chesed, the chesed that they put in? They don't know me. I'm a number. I'm a barcode. But I'm a yid in need. And they care about me. And that's Ahavas Chinam. And with chutzpah, I tell to Hashem, no, it's enough. Then I would be exhausted. And I'll just fall back and start apologizing. I didn't mean it. I did mean it, you know. But, uh, guilty, not guilty, whatever. But I just want, you should know, that the days that we're living... And this COVID, whatever, shuls are down, yeshivas are down. There's a divine message that chesed is up. There's a divine message that achtos is up. Ahavas Yisrael is up. We should all be involved in some form of chesed.
The Gra writes the greatest form of chesed is Torah's chesed. In Mishlei, the Torah's chesed alishona. Because you're giving a person morals and ethics and how to live life. That's a little bit of my story. I thank Hashem for the opportunity to be here. And I just want to reiterate and close to everybody. We are so thankful to Hashem that we have the gift of Rabbi Jacobson. That all forms of Torah, Pnimius, Nigla, Nister, Hasidus, Zmamish, Kishulchan Aruch, Munach Lefonecho, Aselacharav, doesn't say Aselacharav, Aselacharav. A Rebbe is the person that when your cup is full, he's able to push more and make you overflow. I was very fortunate in my youth to, to have a Kesher with Hasidus of Chabad, one of my, one of the people I loved very much. His name was Meir Abasera, Abu Chatsera. He was a Yedid, Yedid Nefesh of mine. We davened together on Shabbos. He had tremendous grace, he had tremendous elegance. What? He's where, the Rebbe's Wurstler. I remember going to Kaishal Bracha for the Rebbe, by the Rebbe many times. When I say many times, it was at the same event. <laughs> I used to go around in the circles. I like the sweet wine, that's what could I tell you? I was a kid. He didn't mind. He gave me again each time. At the fifth time, he said, okay, I'll put you on hold, and he went to the other side of the line. <laughs> and he turned around, he said, okay, now I'll give you. Okay. As long as I got, I waited. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was all good. The tremendous Torah chesed that Chabad does. I remember when we first started here in this Kehillah, and we got our first member of Chabad, Shui Metal. Shui Metal was involved in, in, the, in the initial process of... I remember saying that Shabbos in the drosha. When we travel the world, Chabad takes care of us. I said, Shui, now that you're here, we're going to take care of you. But I was wrong. Chabad is still taking care of us over here. Halavai vaita she ufaratsta yomov keidmot safoynad bor negvov shielachem brochos ad belidai omein vameinah. Thank you.
one time. Maybe like a, maybe a, maybe like a few years, two years before I passed away. I, I saw. Uh, I Chaim, 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 Yad belida, yad belida, yad belida, yad belida. But I see lachem bracha, yad belida, yad belida. Oh, yad belida, yad belida, and out the rapper's niggin. It's also the custom to always sing the special niggin of the Balatanya, the niggin of the Dalit Babas, which he composed corresponding to the four worlds, the four states of consciousness, Atsilus, Briya, Yitzira, Asiya, from the superficial, a more superficial state of consciousness to the fourth stanza where there's complete oneness. So we'll sing the nigan of the Balatanya. Before that, the preparation is a nigan hachana. Reb will give us the... Oh, yeah, 
Bye-bye. 
Ay, 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 ay,
ya ma ya ma ma ya ya ma 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 ya she wanted to see if his son wanted to come home but he said it's good so she da 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 da
Shalom Shalom Tyrus. The, the Nigin really reminds one of the story Esenestach. It's a story that happens in a city called Samarkand. One of the sponsors of tonight's Fabrengen, Zerbnachem Lutkowski, in tribute to his father's 50th yard site, Reb Shimon who passed away in Yutas Kislev 50 years ago in Samarkand, so in Uzbekistan. Samarkand was an Ori Miklat, it was a refuge city. Jews, many Jews, who managed to flee Hitler, Yemach Shemoy, and get into the Soviet Union, escaped within Russia, within the city of Uzbekistan because much of Russia and Ukraine and Lithuania and Belarus, Jews were exterminated by the Eisenzatzgruppen, by the SS. So they ran deep, deep into Russia. So a huge, a huge kahila of Jews ended up in Samarkand. There were the Jews who were Uzbeks who were there for many generations, and there were all the platum that came. So it was a big island of Chabad Chassidim and also a lot of others. And your father too. My father was also in Samarkand. Mm. Tells the Rosh Hashiva, Reb Chaim Stein, there were a lot of Jews who ended up in Samarkand. But many, probably most, left after the war, they managed to get out. But there were those who couldn't leave for whatever reason. Mostly they had family that were still in the army or in other places. Well, they just couldn't get out. You couldn't just get out. So they remained in Samarkand, and they remained there for for tens decades under terrible, terrible circumstances because the communists, the the evil of communism towards all its citizens, especially to Jews and religious Jews, is incomprehensible. Today at the Kiddush, at the Fabrengen, Abnachem was telling us stories from Samarkand from his youth. So I'll tell you a story that happened in Samarkand. <clears throat> My father got out of Russia in the 40s with his father, forged passports. But I had an uncle, a great uncle, Fete Mendel Gadelik. Thanks, Mendel Gadelik. My father's uncle, my father's mother's <clears throat> sister and her husband, Bela and Mendel Gadelik, they remained in Russia, I think in Tashkent, Samarkand. And their family was there, and they only left the Soviet Union in the 70s. In the early 1970s, they allowed a certain amount of Jews to leave, and they got out of there. And then the family reunited. So my father's first cousin, his name is Motel Garelik, Reb Mordechai Garelik. He lives in Kiryat Malachi, in Israel, a place called Nachalas Archabat. A fine Yid, an Ehrlich Yid, a good man. So Motel Garelik, my co- my father's first cousin, once shared a story. Everybody had to go to public school. If you didn't go to public school, they could send your parents to Siberia. He had a bandage 
on his hand every Shabbos. He wouldn't have to write. After six months, the principal realized somehow every Friday he gets wounded. So they had to change schools. Every six months, they had to change a new public school. So Matul Garelik and his friends, they went to Samarkand. The Shiv family, cousins of mine, relatives of mine, who remained there till the 70s. And they went to a school, a public school, a Russian, Soviet public school, all propaganda. In other words, the history, science, you could trust a little bit, but the history, all propaganda. MS, propaganda. <clears throat> Stalin was Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, God, the Savior, the Sun, the Moon, everything. Everything was Stalin's time. All propaganda, lies. Shkarem al gabishkarem. America has its problems, but be grateful that you're in America. America has its problems, but... Uh, <laughs> you'll ask Jews who grew up in the Soviet Union, they'll tell you about the Soviet Union. <laughs> 50 million, you know, murdered. So, Matul Garelik and his friends... One day they were in school, and there was a, a big map on the wall, a map of Russia. So after school, before they went home, they had a class in geography. So they decided they want to find in the map of Russia, the Soviet Union wasn't just Russia, it was 11 republics that all belonged to the Soviet Union until they split up recently after the fall of communism. Many of them gained independence. They wanted to find in the map the city that became a legendary in their imagination, which is the city of Lubavitch. Lubavitch is a city in Belarus, at the border of Belarus and Lithuania. Russia, Belarus, Lithuania was then called White Russia. Today it's called Belarus, Vice Rusland. By the way, where the Altarebbe lived, he lived in Lyozhna, Liadi, it's all that area. Problem is, Lubavitch is a very small, I was there, it's a very small place. So they're looking at the map, they knew the area, it's not there. It's not there. Smolensk, they found. Smolensk is a larger city, not far. They're looking, and they're very disappointed. They're searching, they're searching, you know. They're little kids in school. The geography teacher was a Soviet historian. He knew geography. And he was very proud of himself that the kids are looking at the map after school. Mele in school, they don't have a choice, but it means he really ignited a passion. So this Russian geography teacher comes over to them and he asks in Russian, what are you searching for? So they said, there's a big city, very famous, prominent city, in Belarus, it's called Lubavitch. They have Zaydas that learned there. Motel Garelik Zayda, my great-grandfather, was Rachmiel Chados, and others who learned in the city there, in Lubavitch, by the Rebbe Rashab, by the 5th Chabad Rebbe. And they're looking for it. So he searches with them. He said, I never heard of it. He said, you, a master of geography, never heard of Lubavitch? He said, I never heard of it. Sorry. Said, How can it be? It's not on the map. So he said, come with me to my office. Sometimes the maps don't have all the cities. But in my office, I have an atlas. You know what an atlas? Over there, you have everything. So the, the teacher was very excited that the kids were so passionate about geography. This was 
a dream of a teacher that kids are so excited about the map of Russia. So they were excited. They got into. They come into the office. Takes out an atlas, and he searches Belarus. Oh, he finds the city Lubavitch. By the way, Lubavitch in Russia is Luba. Lubavitch. Luba's love. Ah, love. Lipshaft. Love. Luba. It was named. It was called the city of love. <clears throat> so he finds it. It was a tiny, tiny little dot in the atlas, and it said Lubavitch. So they turned to him and they said, why are there some cities a big circle, a huge circle, some cities a big star, some cities a whole a big word, and this is a tiny little dot. He says, if it's a larger city, it gets more space in the atlas. It's a big ball or a big circle. And if it's a very little city, it's, a, it's there. They said, but it doesn't make sense, Lubavitch. It's a very, very big city. We promise you. It's one of the most important cities in Russia. He says, you sure? They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandfather told me he comes from there. He learned there. It's one of the most important cities. So the man says, I trust you. Maybe, maybe. The Soviets have a custom. If there's a city that has a secret plant where they produce some secret weapons or ammunitions, they don't want the enemy to know about it. So either they delete it from the map, which the Russians have no problem, or they may make a little dot. It exists, but, you know, so that the enemy won't think that there's anything to search. So he says, maybe this Russian, maybe in Lubavitch, there was a, a secret plant. Oh, no. And that's why, even though you say it's a big city, they don't want to attract anybody's attention to it. Okay, this calmed them down already. From the school, they went to a Yid. His name was Reb Mendel Nodl. Reb Mendel Nodl, Reb Mendel Nodl learned in Lubavitch by the Rashab. Now you have to understand, this is in the 60s. Rashab, Reb Rashab left Lubavitch in 1915. He ran away from the Germans during the First World War. He didn't want to be under the Germans, and they, they came into Russia. So he ran to Rostov. So that's when the yeshiva in Lubavitch, the whole community, was gone. And then the Jews who stayed there were destroyed by the Germans because Belarus was exterminated. But Reb Mendel Nodl was a Jew who learned years and years ago, he's in the early 1900s in, in Lubavitch, and now he was in Samarkand. He was already an elderly man. He had a long white beard, Reb Mendel Nodl. So they went running from the teacher to Reb Mendel. They came in, it was an after, late afternoon, and he sees all the kids, he says, you know, what's going on? So they said, we heard it was a big secret today. And he tell, they tell him the whole story. And they said, the teacher says that the reason Lubavitch is such a small dot because there's a secret plant. We want to know if it's true. We know you come from there. So Matul Garelik was a little kid. He was a kid. He said that Mendel was a smart Jew. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there was a very secret plant there. So Matul and his friends say, what, what, what? He says it was a plant where they would polish diamonds. 
you put on a diamond, they polished it, and it came out shining. This was the plant. It's a big factory, and it was a place of so much wealth and affluence, so many diamonds. Sha, sha, sha. They didn't want anybody to know. So we turn to the Mendel, Motel Gadel says, we turn to the Mendel model and we say, you ever visited this, this plant? He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many times. Many times. He says, really? How? So listen, I was in Lubavitch for years. I learned there for years in Yeshiva by the Rebbe Rashab. So I had an opportunity to visit this plant very often. So Motel says, we look at his house. It was poverty. He was living in utmost poverty. So we don't understand that Mendel, if you visited the plant so often, and it was filled with so many diamonds, why didn't you, why didn't you take a few diamonds and take it with you? So you would have much more wealth, now you'd have much more influence. You're broke. And Mato said that Mendel started to cry. The Mendel model. And he said, I'll say in Yiddish and then I'll translate. He said, I, I've been given very young, I've not had a seichel to name the dementen that my daughter produced. I was a young man. I was a young boy. I didn't have the seichel, the intelligence to be able to take the diamonds that they produced in that plant. So I don't have them. Only years later did they understand what Remendel was telling them. So here's a Fatsaita Shayid who sat in a center. He was right. It wasn't a plant only of diamonds. It was really a nuclear plant. Because the Teres of Balshemtev and the Teres of Balatanya is nuclear energy. It's not nuclear energy. Nuclear energy, where do you get it from? You get it from an atom. We used to think that to destroy a world or to build a world, you need a lot of quantity. What did atomic energy teach us? One atom. How tiny is an atom? You don't even know how tiny it is. But you... You maximize the potential. You split the atom. You get the energy out of the atom. And you can Khalila destroy a world or light up a world. It's called Neshek Garini. Yeah? Maisa now with Iran. Celebrity with Iran. Last Friday, the chief scientist of Iran, the nuclear scientist of Iran, was. they sent him to face his creator. They asked Schwarzkopf by the first Gulf War if we should forgive terrorists. So he said, it's not our job to forgive terrorists, it's God's job. Our job is to arrange the meeting. (laughs) So, whether it was Israel, whoever it was, I'm not here to give over classified information. Israel, America, whoever. But they sent him to the Rebbeinu Shalom, so he could deal with it. It's not a small thing. These are things you have to say. That 75 years after Auschwitz, the Rome's around in Iran, in the country of Haman, 
a man that his whole mind, his brilliant mind is there to create a nuclear bomb to use against 6.6 million Jews in Israel. And he's wiped off from the earth something to say Shechiyano for. It's a big... Everybody looks at the negative of the world. You have to celebrate. It's one of the great miracles of our times. It's a, a big thing. So there's nuclear energy that can destroy. There's nuclear energy that can build the world. Teresa Balshemtev is nuclear energy. It was a nuclear plant. It was a nuclear plant. He said, I didn't have Seichel to take the diamonds. The truth is, <coughs> I see an interesting thing. <coughs> we live in a time where a lot of people are starving. Baruch Hashem, not for bread. And a huge suda that they made with lasagnas and everything else. But people are starving. Or in simple English, they're starving for a little love, right? The bottom, for a little love. For genuine love. How do we compensate it? We try to get attention. <laughs> If I can't get love, what do I get? I want attention. Everyone figures out how to get attention. This one this way, and this one that way. This one through being angry, and this one through smiling. But I need attention. <clears throat> Problem with attention is, it only lasts while you get it. The moment it stops, <clears throat> it's over. Love lasts. Attention. I finish a speech. I get sometimes a standing ovation. Not on Zoom, but uh, before Zoom. So uh, how? So it feels good. How long does it last for? Till the last person finishes applauding, and then I gotta go eat. I gotta go binge because it's over. Whenever you compensate with a fake thing, it lasts for a few seconds and it's over, because you're not being fulfilled from the full, from that which is fulfilled. You're not being fulfilled from, from the source. You're making up. People are looking for love. People are looking for, for life. Sometimes you see people, they function. But there's a deadness. There's a numbness. What happened yesterday happens today, happens tomorrow. So people become cynical. They're cynical. In other words, they're not excited about life. Davening is not exciting. Learning is not exciting. Shabbos is not exciting. Yom Tov is not exciting. Even Zoom is not exciting. Rashid is not exciting. Their marriage is not exciting. Their kids are not exciting. Yutas Kislev, Chanukah, Purim, Pesach, Shavuah, Sukkot. Old one shalant. Let's get it over with. Distractions, more distractions, more distractions. What's worse than that is that people don't even know that there's a source of life that exists. They don't even know. What's worse than cynicism is that I don't even know that there's a world in which there's no cynicism. Because I think, if this is where I am, this is where all of reality is. But the truth is, that's the power of Yutas Kislev. Why is it every year becoming stronger and stronger? <coughs> Why? 
I was in London last year, two years ago, so uh, there was a huge island there, it was two, three thousand people. So I said, interesting, the Balatanya walked out of prison in 1798. Was Tsar Alexander? Alexander or Paul? Paul. Kezivase. Paul. He walked out. A Rebbe, a Tzaddik, a Gornoylam, from the greatest. But he was in the Tsar's country. He got permission from the Tsar to continue to go back to Lyozhna and to teach, to write, to, to, to inspire. 1798, you would look, fine. A fine rabbi in Lyozhna, a Rebbe, a Tzaddik, Tzaddik Gornoylam. That's 1798. 200 years passed. 1998, another few decades, 2020, Tovshin Payalov. It's 200 years and a little more and change. Where's Alexander? Where's Tsar Alexander? Where's Tsarist Russia? Where is it? You know where it is? It's in Wikipedia. That's where it is. You could look up Tsar Alexander. You'll have a nice portrait with a story with who came before him and who came after him. And Alexander met a Nicholas, met a Peter, met not a Nicholas, a Paul. This one was assassinated. And then in 1917, the end of the Romanov dynasty, a Bolshevik, a new regime, communism. Vladimir Lenin, a Stalin, a Trotsky, a Yezhov, a Beria, a Khrushchev, yeah? and Drapov. He just hears the names. Do you hear the names? It's already... Uh, they once called in a communist, a uh, Gentile. They said, uh, who's your mother? So always the mother was Soviet Russia. Who's your father? Stalin. What do you want to be when you get older? I want to be a soldier. In the Russian army, called in another another kid, another Gentile. Who's your mother? Soviet Union. Who's your father? Stalin, Joseph Stalin. What about when you get older? I want to be a member of the Communist Party. They called another one, Mother Russia, Father Stalin. When we get older, I want to have a prominent job in the KGB, the secret police. They called in a Jewish kid. Who's your mother? Soviet Russia. Who's your father? Stalin. What do you want to be when you get older? An orphan. <laughs> okay. So that's what you're dealing with. Okay. In 1798, the Tsar was a Moshe Bekipa, one of the most powerful people. If you go today, you could check out the Her- Hermitage in Petersburg, and you'll see how they lived. You'll see how Alexander lived and his Rebetzin or his queen. You could see. Check it out. You'll see. You'll see. Americans don't even have a <laughs> comprehension in such glitz and richness. It's, it's not. 200 years pass. 200 years pass. This year, Yutas Kislev. This year, Yutas Kislev. Tavshin Peyalev. The Tsar is in Wikipedia. That's where you'll find them and the museums. But in, this, in the former Soviet Union, there are more than 400 Yutas Kislev Fabrengens. More than 400 Yutas Kislev Fabrengens in the former Soviet Union. 
not only in Petersburg, and not only in uh, in, in, in in Moscow, Mela, but in, in hundreds and hundreds of shtetlach and cities. I got a I got a text a few days ago before Shabbos. in Kastrama. Kastraman, another one in, in, in Mariupol, Ukraine. They wanted to have a story to give over at the Fabrengens. How does this happen? It happens because when you're rooted in the eternity of Torah and the eternity of Yiddishkeit, Netzach Yisrael lo Yishaker, eternity doesn't die. Eternity gets stronger every year because truth vibrates and flows every year stronger and stronger. It's an expression. In Ruchnius is Nishtakin Avar. In real divinity, there's no past. In real Ruchnius, there's no Avar. It's, it's here right now. It's right now. It's not. God is alive. <laughs> Haman said, God is old. Elikus is not old. Because it's happening right now. Whenever Yiddishkeit is old, it's because you're not in touch with Yiddishkeit. If you're in touch with Yiddishkeit, there's no cynicism. doesn't get old. doesn't get boring. I can get boring. There was once a Jew. He went to the Louvre, the Louvre Museum in Paris. He considered himself an art expert. You know when Jews decide they're experts on something? They read, they read up two days on it and become experts. So he goes into the art gallery there. You have the Mona Lisa, pictures that are worth, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And he starts looking, you know, with this critical look, you know. You know, like when they when you try to get your son into yeshiva and the principal starts looking at him. You know that look? His Ruach HaKodesh to figure out who he is. He knows everything. So uh, this, this Jew is looking at the art. The connoisseur, the, the museum curator says, Rabbi Yankel, whatever is, what, what, what are you looking at? He says, I want to see if these pictures are really as wor- worth as much as they say they're worth. $20 million, $100 million. I'm trying, I'm trying to see. He looks at him, he says, listen, my dear friend, these paintings are not being judged right now. The only one who's being judged right now is you. <laughs> the value of these paintings has been established by people far greater than you and I. The only one who's sitting on the, who's being judged now is you, whether you'll appreciate it or not appreciate it. Yeah. Sometimes people, they're looking, is there something, is there no something? One has to have the humility and say, he says in Yerushalmi, Imreiku mikem, says, Imreiku Mikem. If it's empty, I'm projecting my own emptiness. You have a plant that produces diamonds that are polished. Every Jew is a diamond. Every Neshama is a Chelek Elekamimah. Problem is it can get dusty. It can get dusty. Dust is Dositra Achra, dust. It can get dusty. So you have to polish the diamond, get rid of the dust. You have to polish the diamond. The plant of the Balshemtiv polishes diamonds. The plant of the Balatanya polishes diamonds. You have to have the seichel. 
not to be cynical, to go into the plant, to take diamonds. And every day, and the deeper you go, the more diamonds you'll find. And the diamonds you're going to find in yourself, the diamonds you're going to find in yourself. And then you'll become alive. And then Shabbos won't be boring. Yom Tov won't be boring. Sunday won't be boring. Mincha won't be boring. Mayrev won't be boring. And even Shachris won't be boring. <laughs> I know it's a tough call. You know why? Because you won't be boring. <laughs> the only one who gets bored, you get bored of yourself. So there's a plant of diamonds. And that's what the Balatanya said. Tamuru. I told you once, he went to Shklov, also in Belarus, Lithuania, went on to the Bime, gave a clap. There were hundreds of Yungalite Goinim. Ta, you know the niggin. Tamuru kitevavaya, Fazucht vetizen, as the Reberster is good. Kitevavaya, Fazucht vetizen, as the Reberster is good. Taste, taste. I could convince somebody that vanilla ice cream is good. How? I can convince somebody this is good. Taste, you'll see. You have to taste. You can't shove it down somebody's throat. Tamu, you have to taste. You have to let it go in. When he said it, he went down the bima. Dozens of younger light. Dozens of younger light went after him, became some of his greatest Talmidim. Just that line. Because it wasn't just words, it was the experience of it. Tamuru So people often don't believe, they think, little fantasies, 2020, we've already been around the block. Everybody's an expert on everything. Between all the WhatsApps, what don't you know? What don't you know? But there's still one thing that people don't know. What is that? Who they really are. <laughs> Who they really are. And what Chassidus really is. And Habba <laughs> If you don't know who you really are, you don't know what Chassidus is. You don't know what Chassidus is, you don't know who you are. So this is a time I say to all of you that Hashem gives us an opportunity to expand our consciousness and connect to Ein Saif, to connect to infinity. The Alter Rebbe said, whoever is going to be Sameach b'simchasi, min el What does this mean? It's a ness. I think what he, I don't know, but I think what he meant was, what's Meitzar? What's Meitzar? Meitzar is Mitzrayim. Angst, distress, smallness, smallness. If you'll be Sameach b'simchasi, I'll take you from distress into Merchav. Because Meitzar is only in my own perception. It doesn't really exist. Everything is in my own perception. 
It's all perception. My brain tells me I'm in distress. I'm in angst. I'm in trauma. Nothing is working out. The same brain, you give it a little shift. You call out from distress, but you have to call out. Karasi, you have to reach out. You have to say, Tata, Abba, Atsileni, take me out. You're already in a place of Merchav. If you're already not content, you hear? If you're not content in Meitzar, you're already in a place of Merchav. So whoever will be Sameach in the Simcha of Yitzchus Kislev, not to live in a place of mates, to live in a place of merchav. You say, one second, you know my tzadahs, the bills, and then there's a maizah with shalom bayis, and there's a maizah with kids, and there's a maizah with shiduchim, and then there's a maizah with depression, and then there's a maizah with therapy, and there's a maizah with Prozac, and then there's a maizah with anxiety, this is the age of anxiety. Everybody has anxiety. If you don't have anxiety, it's a question if you're normal. I'm looking for anybody who doesn't have anxiety. This is the age of anxiety. If you don't have anxiety, you don't belong here. Either you died already, you have tchisa mesa. How can you not have anxiety? Between the elections and corona and China, how can you not have anxiety? Today, mitzvah hayyim is anxiety. Any, any, you see, any, any lecture today, yeah? How to deal with anxiety. All the WhatsApp clips, including Rabbi YY, anxiety, nachamal anxiety, vait anxiety, shmuksha with your anxiety. But that's the mitzvah sayoim. <laughs> the truth is, Mendel
ושמקה מייסף יצא מכאן, אה? חיים לחיים. We have the Gabay of the Libnitzer Rebbe's Chusay Yogan Aleinu. So he's singing it the way he heard it from the Libnitzer. Amos? At Libgadam Nigan. Okay, it's the Gabay from the Libnitzer Rebbe. So he's singing the way he heard it from the Libnitzer. I spilled good. I spilled shame the Bachel. Huh? The Ribnitsa. Yeah, yeah. From the Hila Kirushana. So what's so what so you typhus now? We were basically trying to deal with anxiety. But you don't deal with words because the problem comes from words. You have to go to Nigunim, no, Nigun. It's much deeper. You skip over the, the anxiety. Because anxiety comes from the part of the brain that's in a place of Mazar. Place of distress, restrictiveness. You go into the Merchav, every brain, every soul is rooted in God's infinity. That's what it is. But you have to, each day, it's easy to go in again to the superficiality. So every day, again and again, a Jew needs to be able to tune in to Elokein Shamash and Asatabi Tahirihi. And operate from that place of consciousness. Kirvas alekim litoiv. Kirvas alekim litoiv. The closeness to oneness, to truth. And over there, there's no boredom. There's no monotony. Why? Because it's the source of life. It's the source of oxygen. It always pulsates with life. There's always newness and there's more and more and more. It's endless. There's it's endless. And when you tune into that space, the Mayan, your Futsum Secha, you go to the Mayan, the wellspring never, never stops. It never dries up. If I'm dry, it's because I didn't go go deeper, dig. Yitzchak, Avram, they were all digging, digging. What are they digging? They were digging for this. They were digging for the... They were digging the, this plant. They were digging... Till they found the bear Mayim Chayim. There's a story that the Balatanya once said. I just saw it this year. I never knew it before. He once said that <coughs> you'll be Sameach in the Simcha of Yutas Kislev. He's Maftiach Nachas from your children. So again, what's the connection? I don't think it's just Stam. I'll, I'll pay you back. What does it mean to be Sameach in Yutas Kislev? To pinch your cheeks? 
to eat lasagna. It means to be able to celebrate the simcha of Neshamas Yisrael rooted in Ein Saif, the simcha of Torah, simcha of Hashem, simcha of Yisrael, the simcha of infinite love in this world, and the simcha of our ability to always connect with oneness, with each other, with ourselves, and the whole world. That's the simcha of Yitzchak. And if you have that, your children will ultimately get that, in one way or another way. Not through judgment and not through anger, but through this, through this real love, through this real oneness. So today is a time a lot of people are having challenges with children, with grandchildren, in different ways, even beyond what people imagine. Everyone thinks they're the only, uh, they and their second cousin. But since I know a little bit what's happening, at least in my little circle here, so I can tell you that it's, it's before Mashiach comes, Hashem made sure that everything should come out. <laughs> So all the anxiety, all the trauma from a thousand years is coming out now. <laughs> and our kids have to deal with it. Because they're the, they're the Mashiach kids. So they got to clean it all up. So you don't have to be afraid. You just have to remain in the trenches with a lot of love and a lot of presence. You don't have to be afraid. Parents are very afraid of to be afraid. You have to remain present. You could cry, but don't run away to be in the trenches and be there and be ready to rediscover yourself every day. That's the Avaidah today. Rediscover yourself every day. Avaidah Hashem is not predictable. One of the worst things about religion is when you think you mastered it. When Judaism has to look a certain way. We spoke about this in the morning. We're learning in the morning, Judaism doesn't look any way. Looks like this now, and an hour later, God wants something else. What's the definition of Judaism? Hineni. 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 Right now, you want me to be here? I'm here. An hour later, I have to make a turn 180 degrees. Hineni. I'm not stuck. I'm not invested in my insecurities or in my egos. There's Hineni. Imkayoimar. Hineni. What's he name? I'm here. I don't run. I'm here. So a lot is coming out now. Before before the gula comes, a lot is coming out. Mamash a lot. There's also something else happening. It used to be, if a kid feels that he has no space in a yeshiva, he can't be successful. Okay. You're still a mensch. But in a world where Ein Soif is being revealed, there's nobody who doesn't have space. So when a kid feels today that he doesn't have a space... It hurts him to his core because in the reality of Geula, Enoid Mulvada, everyone is part of it. So if I feel I'm not part of it, it must be not the real Judaism. Because in the real Judaism, 
Everyone has part. So the trauma of that, if it wouldn't be the times of Mashiach, so I don't have part in it. But when Mashiach comes, the Geula, everyone is part of it. Nobody's excluded. So how can I be excluded? So this is not Judaism. Something is off here. And the pain is so deep. It's like a very deep wound. People are looking at kids and what's happening? What, what happened? They, they come from good families. It's different levels of sensitivity today. It's gu'ula levels of sensitivity. What do I mean gu'ula levels of sensitivity? It's a time every child needs to be able to feel that he or she is mamish, one with, with Hashem, one with Taita, one with everything, one with truth. And if I can't feel it for whatever reason, I'm made to feel that I can't feel it. And not even maliciously, just by things happening. It's a terrible wound. And I'm broken. Because in the world of Gaula, nobody is left behind. Why am I left behind? It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't add up. So he said, Yutiskislev will allow you to be able to see your children in a different way. To be able to see them in a different way. And then things will straighten out. Maybe not, you won't see it right away. But it'll happen. But you have to be present. <clears throat> so I want to sing a nigan with you in honor of all of our children. All the children of all of you here. The children of anybody who's joining us virtually. And all the children of Klal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael and here. A nigan dedicated to the children. You'll do the charaton of Zaben Yakeli Ephraim. As part of the Rosh Hashanah Tfilis, we talk about our children. So there's a, a beautiful, there was a big Chabad Menagin, a composer from Ukraine. It's the Charitonovs, the Aaron Charitonov, Reb Sholem Charitonov, Reb Avram, their father. A lot of the beautiful Negunim that they sing in the world are from the Charitonovs. So he made a, a Nigun on Ben Yakeli Ephraim. Say that. But uh, to us, with hearts. This is an honor of all of the Kindelach, your children, my children, our children. And I'm going to ask all of you to be able to tune in, to ask Hashem to bring down light into all of these children's hearts and souls. And also light into their parents. <laughs> so that they should be able to see the light in their children. The parents, instead of running away and getting angry should be able to see the light and stay, stay there. Habein Yakali Ephraim. Yakili Pamalach Shoe <laughs> 
Prophet says, Habain Yakirli Ephraim. My child, Ephraim, is precious to me. Imyelachashuyim. He's the child from whom I with whom I experience so much ecstasy and delight. Kimide Dabri boy, the more I talk about him. Kimide Dabri boy. Zacher Eskirenu Oid. The more I talk about him, the more I feel close to him. The more I mention him, I get closer and closer. Al Kain, therefore, Hamu Mayailoi. My innards are stirred by him. Rachem Arachamenu Nuum Hashem. This is God talking about his child. The Jew. God says, therefore, my compassion and love is endless. <coughs> and the, the more I mention the name, the closer I feel. My kishkis, the kishkis gets stirred. So we say this in Rosh Hashanah's davening from the Pnavi. You got the nigan. It's a very powerful nigan. <coughs> Huh? Yeah. And it captures Hashem's love. The Balshamtiv said that Hashem loves every Jew more than parents love an only child who was born when they were already older and they didn't think they'll have children. So the love is like beyond. And he said that doesn't even come close to define the love that Hashem has to a Jew. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lipshaft is in Lashaya. Yeah. And um, and the deeper the deeper you go into yourself, the deeper the love is. Because anger is always a secondary emotion, right? Anger covers up pain. So when I'm in a place of anger, I'm not in touch. I'm in touch with my anger. When you go deeper, you go to pain. You go deeper, you go to loneliness. 
And you go deeper, you find the love. <laughs> but when the love is not there, I'm lonely, I'm in pain, and what's left to do? You get angry. <laughs> so the Boshan says, let's go away, let's go to the Pneumius. Find the love, and then you'll, everybody will be healed. And uh, they used to say from the big tzaddikim, the early generations of Chizah used to say, of a regular Jew, a simple Jew, he loves tzaddikim. You love good people, righteous people. Yeah. A special Jew loves the bane in him. He loves even those who are not, you know, ay, ay, ay. He loves the, the simple guys. He also, a tzaddik, a tzaddik, he can li- love also those who are disconnected. A tzaddik gomor, gomor. The real tzaddik, his love is infinite because it's rooted in the divine love. The Magid's yard site is today, Yutus Kislev. He once called him the Rebbe Reb Melech of Lezhensk. You know, the Rebbe Reb Elimelech, the Noyem Elimelech. The Magid used to have students that would be there with him and they would, they would help him, uh, they would mesharse him. So Reb Melech was once there in the middle of the night. This was his, uh, his turn to be with the Magid. Because the Magid was, was, was physically very ill. So he's standing, he's sitting there near the door where he's doing whatever the Rebbe of Melech was doing. And the Magid calls him in, it was the middle of the night. And he said like this, this was his Lashon in Yiddish. Herst Melech was mezokt yetz de mesifte de Listen Melech, what I just heard in the heavenly yeshiva. The Rebbe's tahat li barashe gamor de gamor. Hashem's love is to even somebody looks like a Rosh Gomer, completely disconnected, just like he loves somebody who's unbelievably righteous. It already says in Taim Advaira, Reb Moshe Kodavar, the Ramak says it in Taim Advaira, the same Nikud, the same point. So, though you, some of you are thinking there's a Gemara in Psachim, that there's a mitzvah to hate certain people, or at least there's a hetah to hate certain people, and some of us were even educated with that. <laughs> It's a mitzvah, this one you have to hate. At least this one, it's a mitzvah to hate. Or it's at least a hetah to hate. Uh, so here's the deal. So it says in Tanya, Perik Lamed Beis, that first of all, before you start hating somebody, you have to make sure that God really wants it. And it's not coming from your own indoctrinations or insecurities. He's on your playing field. He knows everything. You know, Kevayachot. Chafetz Chaim said, I don't know anybody today who could do mitzvahs teichicha. So we can't do mitzvahs teichicha. So you have to first make sure that the hatred is not coming from, I want to feel good about myself. The hatred is coming only one reason. Hashem really wants it. David Feinstein just passed away. David Feinstein, Moshe's son. Zechit Tzadik Levracha. So he used to say a vart. I was, uh, was talking the other day with the, with the head of art scroll, uh, Rabbi Gedalia Gedali Zlatowitz, Rabbi Meir's son. So he told me that he heard from Rabbi David Feinstein. It says by Pinchas, He took a spear in his hand 
and he stabbed Zimri and Cosby. So why'd say be Yodai? Of course you take a spear with you. What do you take a spear with? Your teeth? With your nose? With your feet? You take a spear. What did he take it with? His head? Say be Yodai. Get the cash, you know. I'll tell you why. There's people, if you knew that David Feinstein, it's a pass for him. He was Ramosha's son. Okay, I'm not going to be able to do this. It's not my chush. David Feinstein said to our people, when they walk out of the house in the morning, they walk out with a spear. Why? I'll already find somebody to use it on. <laughs> Throughout the day, between Shachris, Minche, Maidiv, there's no him. There'll already be somebody who deserves a stab. <laughs> Throughout the day, if you hang out in Shul, yeah, or on the internet, wherever you hang out, or on Zoom, there'll be somebody who deserves a stab. They don't have to take the Raimach in their hand. They already walked out. It's already there. It's, it's, it's waiting. They're just looking for the carbon. Oh, you said this. Boom, boom, boom. Could be their wife. Could be their kids. Could be the rabbi. Could be somebody else. Yeah, could be themselves too. They do it to themselves. That's why they do it to others. So David said, Pinchas was not that person. Vayikach Raimach biyadoy. It wasn't there already. He had to go and take it with his hand. So you have to make sure before you start hating people. It wasn't always there, you know. I'm a hater. Baruch Hashem, I have a Judaism. I could find good reasons to hate. They have to be very careful. It's number one. Number two, even if you're there, it says in Tanya, Pedro Klamath Beis, the Jew is a mitzvah, there's also a mitzvah to love. And it says in reading the Yushan, the Yad Rameh writes in Sanhedrin, is even a Rosh even if he deserves the death penalty. So now try loving a person and hating a person at the same time. Was it sweet and sour chicken? Well, Tanya says, because you have to hate the Ra. The Ra you hate. The person, the Neshamah you don't hate. And then he says, and they have to have compassion. How do we get into hate? I forgot. Why am I talking about hate? Hey, it's a gedenkt. The Rebbe of Melech. No, they're not. Hest Melech. So at Tzadik Gomor, he loves everybody because there's nobody disconnected. He sees the Neshama, he sees the Pneumeus. This is, this is the approach that it's, this is Yiddishkeit, but especially the Baal Shem Tev, the Magad, the Balatanya, the Rebbe Reb Melech, all the Talmidia Baal Shem Tev, this, they had Mesiris Nefesh for this, Mesiris Nefesh for Avas Yisrael. Doesn't mean I always agree with you. Doesn't mean I'm not pained by something. Doesn't mean I'm in denial. But it means you never shut off the valve, the faucet of love. You never shut it off. He always has to stay there. And when you believe in people, they believe in themselves. When you don't believe in people, they don't have a way of believing in themselves. And the first person you have to direct us to is your own neshama. 
Sometimes it's harder. When our language is always a language of criticism to ourselves, that becomes the language for everybody. You don't realize it, but that's the language. So starting from tonight, start having compassion for yourself. We learned last week on Shabbos, the Maimer, which Maimer was it? Vayashkim Lavan. He says there, when you criticize people, they close up. When you have compassion on people, they open up. Somebody comes to me, says, Rabbi, why, why? You did... Uh, right? So what happens naturally? I'm like, yeah! You know what I mean? I block him. <laughs> this is very rare. But uh, you don't understand. It's competition is for losers. Somebody has compassion, you open up. So if you want to open up yourself, you have to have compassion on yourself. Stop judging yourself. Just have compassion. The Alter Rebbe says, Midas harachamim, that's the mid of emas. We, don't think, we think gvur is emas. Midas harachamim is deeper. You hear? What do you agree? <laughs> you know that? You feel it or you... You can't agree if you don't experience this. You don't have enough compassion for yourself. If yeah, you wouldn't only agree with me, you would feel it. Compassion doesn't mean you're in the Compassion doesn't mean eh, you're such a sweet guy, you're handsome, here's another kugel. Compassion is you look at the pain and you see it and it hurts and you have compassion. You have compassion. And you know what happens? Automatically, you're not stuck anymore. Huh? I'm a psychotherapist, right? I'm a mezzah. You could go to Merchav right away. It's a fascinating thing. So, so this is what the Pasuk is saying. The more you talk about the child, You have to become more connected, more close, more close. Don't run away from your children. Get more involved, get more close. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. Waterberry, Waterberry, Waterberry. We have all the Waterberry boys here. Waterberry, yeah. You understood what I was saying? Yeah, I like that a lot. I feel the anxiety. I agree with that. You feel anxiety now? So why are you leaving? Why are you leaving if you feel anxiety? Shachris? Huh?
Amen. Amen. Chazak. I never saw your father stay so late. Sometimes you have to believe in your children, you have to believe in your parents. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of trauma you have to realize. You have to have compassion. I know it's not so simple. Midas Arachamim. Midas Arachamim. Midas Arachamim. Yaakov. Avinu Avarachamon. Amirachem. Rachem Naleinu. Toyder. Midas Arachamim. Nice to see you. Last time I saw you was by the Chasana. I liked your Mechutin. Cute guy. Say the chaim for your father. Say the chaim for your father. May it. Your father's whole Indian was the chafatz samayonas. Nebavram, nebavram, lechaim. Alts b'seder. There's a leichten in there. And in your kinderlach. Main. Weber? Blair. Chaim, Chaim. Chaim, Chaim. Who? Engelson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sees me more than I see him. He sees me sometimes a few times a day. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh. Of course, what's, where were you? I announce, I tell people, double speed, of course. Yeah, 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 unless you're crazy. Unless you're as crazy as me. It's not...
Let me teach you a nigan. It's a deep, deep nigan. It was composed by the Kharatonov, I mentioned before the Kharatonov brothers. They lived in Nikolaev, Ukraine, the city where the Rebbe was born. The Rebbe was born in Nikolaev. Nikolaev was a city of Menagnem, famous Chabad composers. They composed hundreds of nigunim. Some of the most beautiful, beautiful nigunim that people sing are from the Kharatonovs. So here's a nigun. Ya 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 
They used to sing it by the Rebbe's Fabrengens 
in the earlier years, but almost every time at Ongei Mechlippen, the Rebbe would start weeping profusely. So they stopped singing it. <laughs> this nigan, he would just start crying. So they stopped singing it. They just went to the fast. That's why they started fast songs. The early years. Yeah, you can hear. Listen to Chof of Tovshin Yeralef Lamashal. You'll hear this nigan. A lot of these songs, they stopped singing because the Rebbe would just cry and cry and cry. So this... Not my days, I don't know. Rashab. Something of like by Memkaimach. Memkaimcha. Memkaimach Malkaimach. Yeah, because I'm something of, no? Yeah, yeah. So I heard once from Asatma Chosid that the Satmir of heard it in Bergen Belsen. Yeah. It was a Lubavitcher. Some Alta Satme, he told me. I said, We come to Nigan to Satme, it's from the Rebbe Rasham. So he told me years ago that the Satme of in Bergen Belsen, there was a Chabatske, Lubavitcher Chassid, and they would be marched by the Germans to work every day. And on the way to work and back from work, he would sing this Nigan. Imagine in Bergen Belsen. So the Satme of. Schisse Yogan Alain, he picked up the nigin and he, you were there when he sang it, yeah? Memkaimach, ma? Memkaimach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what he told me, I never knew this. Start from the beginning. But this is the original. Ah, 
He said that once he went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he, he asked for bracha for the Ribnitzer Rebbe because he was weak. So he said the Rebbe told him, as the Chamam Litztoiv for Klai Yisrael. The Ribnitzer Rebbe is somebody who is the great advocate for the Jewish people. He's a Mam Litztoiv. He's somebody who loves the Jews and, and tries to bring out the best in them. Like about the Baditshava, it says he was the the ultimate advocate, Oyev Yisrael, Oyev Yisrael. I have a friend, he's the Chabad rabbi at Duke University, Duke, Chabad Shliach at Duke. His name is Rabbi Zalman Blooming. So he told me that there was a philosophy professor in Duke University a few years ago. Not a Jewish fellow. And but taught philosophy in Duke, and he started off the semester, first class with a story. The story, he said, I want to tell you guys a story about a Hasidic Jew in Russia, <laughs> a Habad Hasidic Jew in Russia. In Russia, they could stop you at any point and ask you, "Who are you? Show ID." Where are you going? What's your job? And if you didn't have an answer, or you didn't have ID, they could send you uh, in Chadgadia. It was, uh, yeah, you had to always... <clears throat> in fact, they say there was once a Chassid Shayid, and he, he didn't work for Shabbos. He didn't want to work on Shabbos. If he didn't work on Shabbos, he couldn't work a whole week. They, didn't, they wouldn't give you a certificate. You couldn't get bread. 
So you didn't have an ID that you work. You're called a parasite, parasite, which was a horrible thing in Russia. So there was once a chassid and a policeman stopped him. And uh, he's, about, he's about to... Uh, and he starts running. He starts running. And the policeman starts running after him. So uh catches up to him. He said, why'd you run? So he said, the doctor told me I have to run every day. So I was running. He said, but you saw me chasing you. Why didn't you stop? He said, I thought the doctor told you you have to run also. There's <laughs> another mice. There was a chassid who was caught. The policeman stopped him. ID. He didn't have. So there was another yid. His name was Rabin Si and Shemtev, and he saw this from far. So he ran over to the policeman. He said, ah, my brother. And he started to hug him. And he winked to the other guy to run. He says, well, my classmate, we were best friends in school, in school growing up, and he's hugging him and kissing him. The guy says, you're crazy. He says, no, no, look at me. We're best friends, yeah? By the time they finished, that guy was out. And Shalom Yisrael. So, he saw this on the spot. He ran over, he kissed him, kissed him. My best friend. So this professor in Duke, he turns to his students, he says, I want to tell you. So there was a Hasidic Jew and a policeman stopped him and said, where are you coming from? Where are you going? And what are you doing with your life? And the philosophy professor said, the Hasid looked at the policeman and said, I will pay you 50 ruble every day to ask me this question. <laughs> Where are you coming from? Where are you going? And what are you doing with your life? <laughs> he says, I'll pay you every day to ask me this question. This is how he started his philosophy semester in Duke, to explain how you have to think. You have to start asking questions. Yaakov Avinu, tells the messengers in Vayishlach to bring the animals to Esav, the gifts. And he says, when you meet my brother Esav, he's going to ask you three questions. Lemiyata, Vemens Bistu, who's are you? Va'ona Selech, where you going? Ulemi Eila Lefanecha. And what's this here in front of you? Three questions. Who do you belong to? We going, how did, how did Ace, Yaakov know Esau was going to ask these three questions? How do you know he's going to ask? Sounds like he knows for sure. Maybe he won't care. Maybe he'll ask different questions. I don't know. So the Chidush Harim, the first Gerard Rebbe says, because Esau always asks these questions. He always asks three questions. Yaakov knew Esau. He's going to ask you three questions. First question he asks you is, Lemiyata, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? Second question is, Anaseilich, where are you heading? Third thing is, Lemiyela Lefanecha. What's this that you're doing? He says, these are the three questions that have one purpose, to make sure you go into depression. To make sure you get anxiety. 
to make sure your marriage is miserable, to make sure you're an angry man or woman. First question is, Lumiata, whose are you? What do you belong to? Where do you come from? May I am Basa? Oh, I know. I always know you come from a putrid, a putrid source. Who do you belong to? Oh, I'm not sure. Where do you come from? You don't want to know. <laughs> I'm not sure myself where I come from. Okay, where are you going? Oh, I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I knew. Oh, you don't know where you're coming from? You don't know where you're... So let me ask you one more question. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I'm schlepping behemoths. I'm schlepping behemoths. So you don't know where you're coming from. Who do you belong to? You don't know where you're going. Oh, let me... What are you doing? Yeah? He says, Asaph always asks these questions. That's the, the brain. Yeah, the brain, always these questions. Vemens bistu. Let Yeah. People, right? You always hear by chuppas or this. They always by shavit, They talk about yichas, right? You ever go to those simchas? Huh? They, they start, yeah. Right? They're very busy, right? It comes to this, the, the, uh, right? They're trying to answer the questions. Let me add, but somehow it doesn't always work. And And the more you tell me how wonderful my family was the less connected I feel, because I know that it has a connection with me, like last year's snow. You know? I want to know where I come from. It's not going to help. Where are you going? <laughs> I don't know. Part of me wants to go here, part of me doesn't want to go here, part of me wants to go there. I'm confused, but my wife tells me this, the kids, that I don't know. Well, And what are you doing for a living? Shlep. I'm a shlepper. Huh? You come from money? Where are you going? And how much do you have now? Yeah. Yeah. See, Asaph asks these questions, always, in order to make sure that you stay down. So Yaakov says, when he asks these three questions, let me tell you what to answer First thing you have to say, Vamarta la'avdecha le'yakov. I belong to Yaakov. That's the first thing you have to know. If you can't identify that, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the plot. La'avdecha le'yakov. Who do I belong to? I belong to Yaakov. Machelik ha'lekamimal. Let nobody tell you that you come from nowhere. V'izog da'alter ebe, da'me'ayin basa. You come from Ayin. You don't come from Yesh. You come from Ayin. Ayin is the source of Yesh. Ayin is the nothingness that is the source of everything. If you come from Yesh, you're stuck. If you come from Ayin, you're endless. You have infinite possibility. If you come from Yesh, you're stuck in Yesh. If you come from Ayin, you're free. <laughs> you can create yourself every moment. Because ayin is the source. Ayin is nothingness, right? In other words, no thingness. No, you hear about it? No thingness, not nothingness. You don't come from a thing. You come from infinity. You don't come from a thing. The Herst, the Welt says, Da, me, ayin, bosa, me, tipis, ruche. Now, the Rebbe says, Da, 
Me'ayin bosa. You come from Ayin. Yaakov. You come from Yaakov. Shufri the Yaakov means Shufri the Adam. Minchehi. Shlucha ladoini la'eso. Minchehi. I'm carrying a gift. My life is a gift. It's a mincha. And every moment of life is an opportunity to give a mincha. You're a gift to the world and you're carrying a gift to the world. And I was sent to bring this gift to confront Esau, to sublimate Esau. Of course there's anxiety and toxicity. I'm supposed to bring this, my gift I'm supposed to bring to Esau. It's not a gift in a vacuum in heaven. It's a gift that's here to sublimate Esau. And remember, and Yaakov Avinu was right behind me. You're never alone. Hashem is holding your hand. He says, that's what you answer. What I'm doing. It's a mincha. It's a gift. Every moment. Your life. You're a gift. You're a, gi- you're a heavenly gift. In the Hagdama to Tanya, the introduction to Tanya, the Balatanya writes that he didn't want to write the Sefer. It's an interesting, very interesting introduction. He didn't want to write the Sefer. Why? He says, soul, soul talk, you don't write in a book. You have to talk to people one-on-one, face-to-face, connect to the person. So you write in a Sefer, a lot of people don't understand what you're saying. And people have different problems and challenges. A Sefer can't address everything. And even if they do understand, he said, people have such individual lives, they won't necessarily be able to find their struggle in the Sefer. He didn't want to write it. But then he says, we're, ta- we're now living in a time and it's impossible to be able to see everybody individually. And even those who came here and we spoke, they leave and they forget. A year later, they forget. So I, I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So I decided to take all the conversations that we had and put it in a safe. And then he says, Al-Kain, Roshamti, Akhbiyodeh all the people who came to see me, Ashahaya Hadibur Shal Khiba Matsui Bainu, Vigilui Lafanai Kol Talumis Libama Moikam Bavidas Hashem, Alayam Titov Milasi Ulashini, Alayam Titov Milasi Ulashini Yat Safe Be Kontrasim Elan Kremlukotamar. The people who came to see me, the conversation of love was common between us. That's what he calls Dibur Shal Khiba, conversation of love. And they revealed to me all their secrets. So he says in Hakdama, everything in their mind and heart. To them, I'm writing these the, the sefer. He says because Enas Mangram, it's impossible to see everybody. And Al Kain, Roshamti, Kol Hatshuvus, Al Kol Hashilus. So I wrote down all the questions on all. I wrote down all the answers on all the questions. So you won't feel the need to come in for your chiddus. 
you're reading a sefer. The Tanya is not a big sefer. It's 53 chapters. And the chapters are short. It's a little sefer. The first section is very small. 60 pages, 70 pages. He says, Al Kendra Shamti Kol HaTshuvas Al Kol HaShailas. Who writes such a thing? I wrote down all the answers to all the questions, really. Every question. Every question. There's 60 Mesechtas of Shas. And they don't answer every question in Halacha. Vaharaya, the rabbis are still arguing today. <laughs> 2,000 years later, Yeah. The Rambam put in Halach into 14 big svarim. He didn't answer all the questions in Halach. Kol ha-tshuvus al kol All the questions, on all the answers on all the questions. <laughs> See, I, I wrote some answers. As I shaped it. And that gdom, that gdom is a malakad, lukut ha-monam. So you have the Takon of Chitas, Vayi Chitas Alekim. It's a Chumash Tehillim Tanya. There's the Shia Chumash that you learn every day, Sunday to Sunday, you learn Rishon, Monday, Shani, Shabbos, you finish with Rashi. So at the end of the week, you know the Parsha. There's the Tehillim, you finish the month, over the month. And there's Tanya, you finish over the year. Yeah. So Tanya starts you to Skislev. Starts started today. You finish Tanya in a one year, a year. Today you have a line. He goes to Rabbi Gordon or others. But you finish Tanya in a year. Yeah. Rebazil, you did it, no? Rabbi Weinberg, yeah. Shiurim Besefra Tanya. So in the Hakdama, the Hakdama is going to be learned in a, uh, probably two or three days because the first day learned the Haskamas, the Birbzusha, the Birbzusha. So he says this. Kola Chuvas al Kola Shailas. That's what he writes. What's, how do you understand this? So perhaps, perhaps, what the Balatanya is saying is, it's impossible to put into a book, even a big cipher, more than a small cipher, every answer to every question. <laughs> Even a hundred books, every question. The premise of Tanya is one premise. It's one answer. And that answer answers all the questions. The Yisoyed of Tanya is one Nakuda. And that Nakuda answers all the questions. Once you really get that point... Once you really get it, not just in words, in experience, you breathe it in, it becomes you. It's one it's one one point, but it answers all the questions. What do all the questions come from? Any question you have. <laughs> if we go around this room, yeah, and even if everybody's open, I don't know if Mahat Nachbadam, like Mahal Shambadam, Samazitsnachaparsha. Huh? Okay. The people in the camera are also struggling with you. You're the only one. The insecure, the insecure, this. But if you go, go any question, yeah, what are the questions going to be? Go through any crowd, any questions, yeah. I had the schus before Corona to travel around the world a lot. 
Now I still travel through the world, but it's Zoom. Much easier. We travel. The ticket is cheaper. No security in the airport. I only have to go through my wife's security, and that's it. Once she lets me in the house, I'm good. Machaya, first class ticket. So over the years, I heard questions from people. And I still hear at the end of every shear, yeah, you know, people ask a lot of questions. A lot of different that, But there's a, there's a nekud in all the questions. One nekud in all the questions. And the underlying point of all the questions is a feeling of distance, a feeling of, of paralysis, a feeling of incompetence, a feeling of loneliness, a feeling of, of yush, of despair, a feeling like what am I doing with my life? It could be a marriage, could be a business, could be money, could be your kids, could be yourself, could be your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your job, could be Donald J, could be Joe Biden, could be Black Lives Matter, could be White Lives Matter, could be Muncie Lives Matter. All lives matter. Whatever it is, yeah. But there's a sense of confusion, distance, despair, angst, anxiety. <laughs> and, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking for, for chizuk. I'm looking for closeness. I'm looking for, for what to do. Yeah. It says his marriage fell apart. His job is crumbling. He lost his job. His relationship with another, with, with, with his children is falling apart. His relationship with Hashem, relationship with Yiddishkeit. Questions all, in all types, on many different levels, physical, financial, health, emotional, spiritual. The Rebbe says, Rashamti kol al kol Because... What the Tanya is here to give a person, and what it gives a person when you open yourself up to it is to really, really be able to experience yourself as he puts it in Perik Beis, right away, the second chapter. V'nefesh, Hashem is b'Yisrael, hi'chelek aleka mimal mamish. K'meshakos v'ayipach ba'ap of nishmas chayim, the, the foundation of foundations is to know you're never, ever breakable because you are a piece of Hashem. But it could be words, words, it could be experience. The moment you know that and it's real, all the Sfarim say, you don't need time. But he adds one word, mamish. Rashi says the same word, malochim, mamish. One word. Mamish means it's not shaloshudas toida. Versteist? Herring with sponge cake. Chaylekelekame mamish. It's shaloshudas toida. Mamish. It's toida that you could take to the bank. It's mamish. You could go to business with it. You can go, you can cash it in. Kirva Salikim. 
You're not distant. You're not broken. What do you mean? You were abused. You have trauma. And you know better than everybody. MS. You have pain. But could somebody abuse God? <laughs> could somebody traumatize God? So Hashem says, But nobody was going to say that you destroy Hashem. He doesn't exist anymore because somebody laughed or somebody ridiculed. Well, you are a piece of Him. You're invincible. You're never distant. The light in you is infinite. The moment you can go into that place and realize your power, of course, you still need direction. You may need guidance. You may need somebody to help you apply it. But questions? Questions are gone. (laughs) You may need help, guiding, mentoring. But the question? The question is gone. Because you're, you're ain't safe. The moment you can experience yourself as an ambassador of infinity in this world, Herst, I still need direction, application, how to do it. But the Shaila is already not here. The moment I could say, Lamiyata, Laavdechaliyakov. Shaila is this no. And it goes deeper. The biggest answer he gives is that there's only one place where you have to search for an answer. And that's in yourself. It's all inside of you. Why, do we, why are there so many questions and you're looking for so many answers? Because we feel that we get answers from everywhere. He says all the answers are inside of you. They say there was a Jew... He went into Barnes and Noble and he asked the person by the counter, I'm looking for the self-help section. So she said, if I tell you where it is, it'll be defeating the purpose. (laughs) The Tanya is the first safer in history that says, you know why you have all the answers to all the questions? Because you know where the answer is? It's inside of you. The moment it's inside of you, that's where you'll have the answers to every question. The problem is that you're running here, you're running there, you're running. Aganzaleb and you're running, running, running. You never met yourself. So why don't you go meet yourself? Say Shalom Aleichem. The moment he said, you're the answer, you're the answer. God is inside of you. He's not anywhere else, he's inside of you. It's not only a nigan, it comes from Tanya. <laughs> the moment you realize he's, all the action is inside of you. I may need direction. There may be pain. I have to work things out. But Shilas? Kala Chuvas, I'll call Shilas. Because instead of answering individual questions, he said, let's get to the place where there's no questions. We can answer questions, this, but that's, then it's another question, another question. I want to take you to a place where you become your own question and your own answer.
you become the answer. If you become the answer, if you go to that place where you become the answer, then any question, you are the answer. <laughs> You're representing Hashem in the world. You become the answer. You don't have to worry. All questions come from distance, from dissonance, from tzimtzum, from restricted vision. The fact that I think I don't belong. I'm disconnected. I'm a failure. You're a therapist. What are the most questions that come? I'm a failure. Huh? A loser. My wife hates me. My husband hates me. My shviga hates me. My kids hate me. I don't know what I'm doing, who I am, why I am, where I am. I'm religious. I'm not really religious. I'm a faker. I'm almost a fake. I used to be a fake. I will be a faker. I'm not authentic. I'm crazy. I'm a sugar. I'm schizophrenic. I have a split personality. I'm mentally this. They think I'm a good guy. I'm really the most narcissistic person. Right? Or I'm a narcissistic person and I don't even know how narcissistic I am. I just know I'm miserable. What's the common denominator in all of this? The common denominator in all of this is I don't know that I'm holy. <laughs> all you have to tell the person is not tell them. They have to experience that they're holy. Once you realize that you're holy, then everything changes. I may have to deal with stuff. Okay. God has to deal with a lot of stuff. <laughs> Somebody once said, I said it today in the morning, maybe before davening. Somebody once said, what is love? Love is learning the song of another person and then singing the song to them when they forget it. That's what the Alter Rebbe wanted to do in the Tanya. He wanted... You should learn your own song. You have to learn your own song. And when you forget it, he'll remind you of it. When you learn every Pedic of Tanya, all he wants to do is, I'm not going to sing you my songs. I'm going to remind you your song that you might have forgotten. The moment I can remind you your song, you have Kala Tshuvas al Kala Shailas. Because my song is not your song. But love is, I have to learn your song. And then share it with you when you forget it. Sing it for you. And when you have that person who could sing you your song when you have forgotten it, that's what connection is. That's what love is. It's probably one of the better definitions of love. And then... I have questions, I have dilemmas, I have challenges. Of course I have. Life is full of mystery and full of uncharted paths. But I don't get stuck in questions that paralyze me. Because I'm always empowered, I'm always invigorated. I'm not alone, I'm not lost, I'm not bereft. So I want to ask all of you that this year, from this Yutas Kislev, you should all be the people who remind other people their songs that they might have forgotten. When you find a when you see a person and you see that he or she forgot their song, 
Don't start screaming at them. Because then you'll make them forget it for longer. Instead, start singing to them that song. And suddenly you'll see a twinkle in their eyes. And their eyes will open up brightly. And if you continue singing more, they'll start singing. It was once... uh, it was once uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe had a minig, Erevim Kippur, he would give lekach, honey cake, after mincha. Whoever wanted to come. And it went for a long time, it was a long line. There was one year, an old Jew, he was in Eshel Avram, which is a home for senior citizens, assistant living, in Williamsburg, Eshel Avram. There was an old chassid, his name was Reb Zalman Teibel. Zalman Teibel had a wife when he was young, but he lost her. So for most much of his life, he wasn't married. He had very, very few relatives. And he was a Chabad Chassid, a very special Jew, but a lonely, lone, a lonely man. When he got older, he became senile. He had dementia, Alzheimer's, and there was nobody really to take care, you know, he didn't have the children. I think he may have had, but I don't think they survived. And he... They put him in an old age home in Eshelavron. He was already a Jew in his high 80s or low 90s. I remember him then. I remember him before also. He brought to Lubavitch a nigin in the 60s. Ano avda de kuchabrichu. Ano, ano avda, avda de kuchabrichu. You know the nigin. Ano, ano avda, avda de kuchabrichu. Ano, ano avda, avda de kuchabrichu. The Sagid no come, you may come the car, I say. I know, I know, after, after the Kutchabrich, the Sagid no come, you may come the car, I say. You may come, you may come the car, I say. Behold, it don't be done. He brought it in the 60s. And it was Niskabel, and since then it became an Alabavachanig. This is already in the 80s, it's a few decades later. And somebody decided he was very close to the Rebbe. In fact, he used to eat the meals in the Rebbe Rayatz's house because he didn't have mishpacha, so he would eat the meals together with the Rebbe. Yom Tif, Pesach, Shavu, Sukkot, Shoshana. And he and Zalman Taibel. Zalman. So he decided, you know, it'll be nice for him to get a piece of lekach from the Rebbe and a brach out of him kippur. He's already an old man. So they brought him from the old age, huh? from Williamsburg. Two people carried him. He was in a wheelchair, really. And they brought him to the Rebbe's room to get a piece of honey cake. The Rebbe would give everybody a piece and wish them Shana Toivom Sukkah. A sweet year. Good and sweet year. Rebbe Zalman comes and they pick him up and he's standing ponim upon him face to face with the Rebbe. And he knew the Rebbe for 40, 50 years. The Rebbe gives him the, is about to give him the cake, but he sees that he's, uh, he was senile. He had dementia, Alzheimer's. So he was not pre- mentally, he was not present. So the Rebbe waves the cake, and he really wants to connect to him. But he's not there. His mind is not there. And it was a tragic moment, because you see your Ayid, you know, sometimes you look at a Jew. You know, we live in a, such a fast-paced society, people don't stop. Look at a Jew, 95 years old. He's been through who knows what, right? And now, you know, 
he's not making money anymore and he's not a macher. So, you know, who remembers him? But, you know, it's a very primitive way of looking at the world. These are the real people just because they're having a challenge. So so the Rebbe was standing there and looking at him with his eyes, you know, his angelic eyes, the Rebbe's eyes, penetrating eyes, his blue eyes. It's not going. Now, I have to say there was a huge line with thousands of people there down Eastern Parkway, up Brooklyn, waiting. It was a big line, and everyone went by. It was a split second. He gave it Shana Taivim Sukkah. It went fast. because of Yom Kippur. So the Rebbe started to sing he started to sing the nigan that he brought to Lubavitch decades before. The Rebbe had a beautiful voice. Beautiful, very beautiful voice. Mamisha, a very special voice. When he would sing, yeah, the hearts melted. He sang beautifully, beautifully. When he would sing, all different nigunim, sometimes vafabrengas. So he started to sing and he went through the nigan. And everything stopped. It's an altiyit. But you would call in Yiddish over bottle completely. Thousands of people waiting. Yeah. And he's singing like it's Wednesday afternoon with endless time. There's nothing going on. I know, I know. I've, singing himself solo. He sings the nigin. The middle of the nigin, Reb Zalman wakes up. He comes back to reality. And he sees. He's standing in front of the Rebbe. And he starts smiling. He came back from his, uh, the nigin. You know, sometimes, you know, long-term memory, you know, sometimes people, they can't know what's happening, but the nigin triggered his subconscious where he knows everything, where mentally, and it came out, and he started to smile. And the Rebbe sees him. He gives him the lekach. He gives him a varam a bracha. Zalman Taibul was, was overwhelmed from emotion, from his rakshas. And then they, they took him back and he, he went back into, uh, back into a state. This is the meaning of love, is learning somebody's song and singing it to them when they forget. He sang to him his song. He could have chosen another song, but that wouldn't be it. He sang his song. When he sang his song, he started to sing along. You don't scream at somebody, why did you forget the song? <laughs> you lost it. He forgot the song. Don't scream, start singing. Start singing. You start singing his song, he'll find the answers to his questions. Nobody can answer anybody else's question. Nobody. Only you can answer your question. All I can do is, I could learn your song and sing it to you. And when you'll sing it, you'll have the answer to your question. So I bless all of us, all of you, that this year you should be able to be that person for yourself, First of all, learn your own song. <laughs> and when you forget it, sing it. And if you forget it in a very powerful way, then sing it stronger. And if you think you completely forgot it, then don't stop singing it. 
And then you'll be able to do this for other people also. Sing them their song. And that's what people need. They don't need your brilliance. (laughs) They don't need your anger. They don't need your anxiety. They don't even need your advice. What they need to hear from you is their niggin. And I have to have the humility not to sing to you my niggin. I have to sing to you your niggin. Reb Nachman says in Lakute Maran, everything has a niggin. Everything is singing. The grass sings, the trees sing. If you go outside, you see everything is singing. Right? Yeah. Reb Nachman says even Apikursim are also, they also have a niggin. He just says they're singing the wrong niggin. <laughs> They also have a niggin. The atheist is also singing. He's just singing the wrong niggin. He confused the notes a little bit. He's also lost his niggin. But everybody is singing. Hariul Hashem, Kalaretz. Shirul Hashem, Shir Chadush, Tilosu, Everybody is singing. Everybody has a niggin, but they forget it. So when you see a Jew, you say, Come, my dear brother, let me sing. To you, your nigga. And the twinkle will come back. Chisa Mason will come back. So the Tanya was the gift for everybody to be able to find their nigga. You're Neshama, you're Ein Soif, you're Elikus. Layyah Bechakel Zar. says in Tehillim, Layyah Bechakel Zar. What does it mean? You shouldn't have within you an alien God. So what did the Katzke say? God shouldn't be alien to you. <laughs> Not you shouldn't have an alien God. God inside of you shouldn't be such a stranger. You know when a stranger comes to your house, Oh, Shalom Aleichem, where are you from? It says, you should get to know God inside of you. Could you get to know that? If you'll get to know it, if you'll get to know your neshama, if you'll get to know your ain soif, doesn't mean life is not painful. But it means there's always a response. You're never paralyzed. You're never stuck. You're never depressed. You're never in darkness. You may have to figure things out, but I'm never dead. Chas v'shalom. Kol ha-tshuvas so tired of Yidin, Mechayim, Mechayim v'levracha, the Ebrish tazolgebn, that the air, the light of the Balatanya, should be mayor, should, should shine in my soul, and in your soul, and in your soul, and in your soul, and your, all neshamas. And once that light shines in us, then it doesn't stay here. Because if it's the real light, then it's all-inclusive. If it just stays here, then it's, it's fragmented light. If it's the real light, it's your futzah minasecha chutzah. It doesn't stop anywhere. The real oil doesn't stop. People think, especially in the Chesidosh crowd, they hear stories, the Baal Shem Tev, the Rebbe Reb Meilech, the Rebbe Reb Zisha, the Rebbe Reb Boruchel, the Apterov, the Kedush Yislaivi, yeah, the next generations, the Kotzke, Svasem, Kedush Yaharim. The Heilige Sarsholom from Bells, the Besochadoiv, the Baden, yeah, the Heilige Kedusha Sion, the Yetiv Live, 
Ja? So it's altamaisis. And today, yeah? Today, it's the best kugel. Best kugel. So the truth is, zechreinus are very good. Zechreinus are good. But then it says that the closer we get to Geula, yeah? So the light of Chesidus is shining even more. People think, today it's uh, a couple of stories with a couple of hyphen that are left over. They're trying to, to that's the chitzainius of things. If you learn chitzainius by Emes, you know that today the Erd HaChitzainius is shining even more. Because that's the Erd HaGula. With each generation, it's shining more and more and more. Now with the Corona, it's shining even more. I say, uh, you're wearing the wrong glasses. You have to take off the glasses. Put on normal glasses. Start learning chesidus. You'll put on normal glasses. You'll see. The light of chesidus is shining much more. I, nah, nobody's interested. Everybody's there, there, there. They just want sushi. No, no, no. You, you, you're looking at yourself and you're projecting your own traumas and your own wounds on everybody else. It's not the case. Take off your glasses. Yeah. Learn a pedic tanya. Learn chesidus every day. But not just learn words. Words. Breathe it. Live. Live it. Experience it. Take it in. Daven with it. Live with it. Teach it to others. You have to teach. Don't just take. Teach. Give. Then you know what will happen. You'll see. Celept, celept. It's getting stronger. It's more alive. Yeah, obviously we don't have a person, we don't have personalities, the Balshemtiv, the Magid, the Balatai. Every day it has its shlichus. But celept, celept in the Shamas is soul, it's alive everywhere. Wherever I go, I see it's alive. Even if it's not alive, the thirst is there, which means it's alive. You just have to, uh, you have to be able to see it in people and sing the song. Shirul Hashem Shechadosh, Ki Roitza Hashem Ba'amai, Yifar Anovim Bishua. Nahari Simchal Chaf, Yachad Harimir Aneinu. Even the rivers are clapping their hands. Even the mountains are dancing. I don't see it. Okay, I have intergenerational trauma that I have to get rid of. So open yourself up, Abyssal. Yeah. And realize that beyond the insecurities and beyond everything, there is unbelievable positivity in you and in your children and in your spouse and in your family and in the people around you. And you know what will happen? When you walk into shul, they'll look at you and people are sensitive. They'll right away know. Everybody knows. They'll look at you and say, you want love? Go to him. When you come in and you see somebody, you know right away. You want love? Don't go to him. <laughs> don't get close. You want an opinion? Go to him. Yeah? You want nothing? Go to him. You want to be the person when you walk into Shul or you walk into Evergreen or Wesley Kosher or Rockland Kosher or Amazing Savings or even Costco. Yeah? Everybody's with the wagons, very serious. Yeah? Yeah? Saying to Hillam, when are we getting out of this place? When? Please, please get me out, right? When I go on that, I, say, I want to see you. I say, there you can get love. There you can hear your niggin. That's the person you want to be. 
There you can hear a niggin. There. That's, you come into shul, people come in for chakras, they see you, there you can get love. Because people very, they feel right away. They're like, this guy stay away, he didn't take his vitamins yet. This guy didn't have his coffee, don't get close. This guy didn't eat breakfast yet. This guy, okay, he's a funny guy, yeah. This guy is having issues today. But there's a common denominator. Everybody is looking. They're starving. They're starving for somebody to tell them, you're holy. That's what they're starving. I don't know if you sense, Israel is sensitive, he senses it. Everybody is starving. They want somebody to tell them you're holy. So you be that person. Tell yourself, and, and everybody should know, by you, they'll be able to know that they're holy. But for this, you have to be on fire. The only way you can be on fire is, as Malayan Chesidus. You can't just eat a piece of sponge cake and say L'chaim, and say that there was one tzaddik. It's good. But if you want to be on fire, you have to ignite the fire inside. Eish tamid, tukad ala mizbeach, lo yisichbe. L'chaim tayyad abride, tayyad ashvester, chayim, kut yomtif, afreilichin yomtif. Oh, what's machstu? I knew, you come now. Gewaldik. You came at the right time. Ah. We should be able to bring in this light from the Balshemta, from the Balatanya, from Yiddishkeit, from Torah, from Gans Torah, Primius Torah, to the whole world. To be Malaha Aretz Deyes Hashem, Kamayim Layam Chasim. Chayim, 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 Chayim. This class is brought to you by the Yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.